Hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Pick Aside Podcast. My name is Joel Moran and I'm here with Riv and Ronnie Castaneda and this is now episode 104. In this episode we are going to talk about football and basketball and to start off the episode we are going to be giving out our AFC predictions. Then we will give our takes on the most impressive rookies in Summer League, the Jalen Green versus Cade Cunningham duel, Boston signing Dennis Schroeder and talk about the recent Jason Kidd stories that have surfaced. To end off the show, we will talk about how Dame fits in Philly, Pascal Siakam trade rumors, and if Isaiah Thomas deserves another NBA shot. This is now episode 104. That intro took about 10 plus tries. I was not on my game this time. Recently, these intros have been taking at least like two plus tries. From it's me. noticed because in your arguments, you lose too. So it's like you've been just, you ain't been on your game lately. You know what Before I'm this podcast was recorded, Riv and I have been arguing for about 30 minutes on that <laughs> Lonzo debate and it it made me wonder something first of all we appreciate all of you guys that comment on those videos just because we don't answer we see doesn't mean we don't read them we read all of them people think I lost a debate it it honestly boggles my mind (laughs) and one person commented commented it perfectly he said Joel got way too emotional in that debate but he had a point and I, I admire whoever wrote that because Listen, the stats I know now, if we run that debate back, there is no way people think you remotely won. It's crazy. You want to know, I'll compare it to this. I'll Mm -hmm. compare it to this. Remember remember in the regular season, in the football season, when the Saints beat the Mm Bucs in the regular season, but in the playoffs, the Bucs saw them again, Tom Brady won, and he ended up winning the Super Bowl. That's me. That's me right there. I think no. I had that one slip up, but now... Um, it's easy breezy for me now. I think you're more like the Knicks, and I'm like Atlanta. Like you walked in, you thought you were gonna come out and do that, and I just completely dominated you. And now you think if we play again, that you're gonna come out with this new, you know, these new guys, this new evidence, and you're gonna win. We don't run it back. Here, I mean, man. The, the evidence that I proposed to you and then I presented to you showcases how right I am in that argument mm. that I made that Lonzo will be a spot up shooter in Chicago. You think so? I do believe so. People can tune back in months later. It's not the think, NBA yeah, season. Said, the said, NBA season is not far. We said about we're going to check about thirty games in. The NBA season is not far. We'll we'll look at what happens in the regular season. It's not far off. But first of all, I want to say this: we were a top ten ranked sports podcast in the Bahamas this past week. And if you guys are listening from the Bahamas, thank you guys <laughs> so much. And if you guys are from the Bahamas, comment down below so we can know. We know if you really are from the Bahamas. It was pretty cool when I saw that. And also, review and rate our Apple podcast on, or review and rate our podcast on Apple Podcasts if you want to, because we are close to 40 ratings. We are at 39 right now. And if you want to write a review, you can. Also, if you guys want to be in a server with Riv, Drew, and I, and get access to us in a group chat, basically, you can subscribe to our Patreon and be a part of our Discord server. We answer back all the time there, so we could be in constant communication you guys can debate with us there too. Riv and I, we were debating about Lonzo there after the show there. And now on to the show. We're going to start off with five NFL topics. We're going to go over each AFC East team, the Bills, the Dolphins, the Patriots, and the New York Jets. And then our last football topic is about the Cincinnati Bengals and Jesse Bates and their contract disputes. So on to the first team, the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills last year were 12-4. and They were one of the best teams in the entire NFL. 
They went to the AFC Championship and lost. And in this offseason, they added Emmanuel Sanders. Mitchell Trubisky, I think, is a good backup. Jacob Hollister, not a bad tight end. And they also drafted Gregory Rousseau and Carlos Basham. They did lose John Brown, Andre Roberts, a good kick returner. But they also brought back virtually their entire offensive line. In your opinion, where do you see the Buffalo Bills ranking in the AFC East this year? What do you think the record is? I'll start with you, Riff. Uh, to ask me what their record is going to be is a pretty tough task. But I think definitely they should be the heavy favorites to be the number one team in their division. I think they will be. I think with the continuing improvement from last year. You know, I think like like you said in the draft, you know, getting Gregory Russo, a few of them, like that, that team last year was really fun to watch. I think we can all agree it was a really exciting team. I think one of their weaknesses was rushing the quarterback. And I think they've not successfully, you know, fix that problem because obviously we won't know until the game time but they addressed that problem in the draft I think you know losing John Brown but bringing in Emmanuel Sanders who when healthy still has a lot to give obviously improvement from Josh Allen and their young guys you know this is still a pretty young team I think if we can get all that going I think they'll still be right back in it you know they lost to the Chiefs granted we thought they were the best team in the AFC but I think any other team they can beat. I think they'll be right back in the playoffs. They'll be right back in that AFC Championship game. And I think I got them the number one team in that division. They actually went thirteen and three, not twelve and four. I didn't say twelve and four. I said twelve and four. Oh, that's they why went thirteen and three. Yeah, they went thirteen Ooh. and three. And I think one of the games they lost to the Cardinals on a, on the Hail Mary. Oh, that was the the D Hop catch. So they could have possibly went fourteen and two. And they didn't play their starters the last week, right? Against the Jets, no. Yeah, I could. think it was against the Jets. No, it wasn't against. The Jets. It wasn't against. So the they could have went fifteen and one realistically. I'm not sure if they did play. I, I don't think they played the starters. I, I'm not sure, but. Well, I got them number one. They got, got the best quarterback in the division by far, by far. They still, they basically bring back damn near their whole team from last year. They brought in some new acquisitions. They still got Stephon Diggs coming off a breakout year. That another guy. So I got them number one. It's clear as day who's going to be the number one team. Not for real. The, for me, Buffalo, like. Record-wise, I think they're going to be about the same as last season. I think it's going to be, if not, they're going to see like a slight decline, but it's not going to stop them from taking home the AFC East crown. I think this year, defensive coordinators are going to figure out Josh Allen because while he did have the breakout season, there were still some moments where you could see like some faults in his game. He still doesn't know how to you know, truly run with the ball in his hand if he has to uh, scare away from oncoming defenders. And... I mean, you guys were, t- or not even, what am I saying? Josh Allen, even, like, he was throwing dots against Blitz. Like, his passing game was, like, amazing. It'd take a real, you know, jump. So, I I have no doubt they're going to win the division. Like, there's no other team that's even remotely close to where the Bills are. But I think, like, it's going to be another test for Josh Allen because I think teams already have gotten, like, an eye on him. And they're going to have to. He's just going to have to work around teams who are you know, fully prepared for him now. The Bills went from the 31st passing efficiency in 2019 to... Oh, I'm sorry. Before you could see 13-4. and four. I just had to double down, look at their schedule. I you say 13-4. and 13-4. In 2019, the Bills <clears throat> were one of the worst passing teams in the NFL. They were more run heavy. In 2020, they completely switched up their game plan. Brian, Brian Dable deserves a lot of credit because he said, we're going to be pass heavy this upcoming season and they were one of the best passing attacks in the NFL. Last year, they only punted 42 times in that entire season. That's about three times. That's three times per game, I think, a little bit less 
because 16 times 2 is 32. 16 times 3 <laughs> is 48. So that's less. That's about like two and a half times per game he punched the ball. That's how efficient their offense was. One of the weaknesses on the Bills roster last year that I noticed is that the run game isn't good and their pass rush wasn't very good. They addressed their pass rush somewhat with the addition of Gregor Russo, who I, I'm really high on. He has the body of a Greek god. He can be an impact day one player, no doubt about it. Greek god? Yes, he can be Hercules. <laughs> Black Hercules. So the Bills improved in that aspect. But in terms of running the ball, they didn't improve. Zach Moss is still there. Devin Singletary is still there. The main guy is Josh. Yeah, they, they brought back Matt Breda, who I think... I mean, they brought in Matt Breda, who I think is a pretty speedy back. But their offensive line didn't change. They still have Deion Dawkins, John Feliciano, Mitch Morse, Cody Ford, and Daryl Williams. It's going to be relatively the same. I want to see if the Bills are going to lean more towards of a balanced attack. I wouldn't do it because I think their passing attack is that great. And John Brown was a loss. But last year, he was injured, and Emmanuel Sanders went healthy is a better receiver than John Brown. I think Jacob Hollister was a great addition. But that running game does concern me. With that being said, looking at their schedule, they have a lot of gimme wins. Washington is going to be tough, but... That's not a gimme win. Yeah, but I... We expect I favor, the Bills to win. These are the, these are the games I think the Bills are favored in. Okay. Washington, Houston, the Jaguars, the Jets twice, Carolina, and Atlanta. Those are seven wins right there that they can win. They're going to be favored in, no doubt about it. they favored against the Saints? It depends if Michael Thomas is not playing or if he is playing. Okay, so if he's but playing. I think, and these are the tough games, toss-up games for me. Pittsburgh, Miami twice, New England twice, KC, Tennessee, Bucks. New Orleans, and the Bucks. It's a tough schedule, but do I think they can? Do I think they can win six of these games? It's a 50-50 schedule. It depends. You know, they have to have everything clicking and going. But because the Bills, in terms of the time they have to rest next season, is one of the worst in the league, a lot of, their, a lot of the opponents they're going to face next year are going to come off of a lot of days of rest. Mm-hmm. And they have a lot of games that are primetime games. They're not going to have much preparation time for them. I'm projecting them to win 12 games next year. Oh, right under me. And I think they're projected to win 11 games. I think that's their forecast. I have them over. I have them at 12 next season because I think Josh Allen will pick up where he left off. I think Josh Allen is emerging as one of the best quarterbacks in his league right now. I was always high on him coming out of college. He had a rocket arm. Yeah. And their defense is going to be one of the best in the league. I also, I'm not sure about the secondary corner. Mm. I love Shadavius White, but Levi Wallace scares me. He's not a great second corner. Teron Johnson either. But their secondary with Micah Hyde. With Tredavious White, Jordan with Poyer. Jordan Poyer, is phenomenal. And when Matt Milano was playing on the Bills, they were one of the best defenses in the NFL. And we know with Sean McDermott, he's a great defensive-minded coach. I would take the over with the Bills. I think 12 wins for me, 12-5 and five sounds reasonable. I can see 13 wins, though, because they're going to be that dynamic on offense and a great defensive team. Yeah, you know, I think the... Division games are forever, you know, going to be a struggle. Miami is going to be a hard. But I think, like like you said, their first four games, they got, what, Pittsburgh at Miami, then Washington, then the Texans. So that's a tough three-game stretch. And then you got an easy one with Houston. But like you said, I don't think 
you know, their weakness was the running game, but I think they're off, their passing attack was just so dangerous and bringing in Emmanuel Sanders, who just kind of is going to pick up or even do better than what John Brown did if he's healthy. And I think Cole Beasley is still going to be playing for them, so that's another guy. Gabriel Davis, you know, he was good when he played. So I, I think being pass-heavy is just what they are. Uh, you know, having a running back is good, having that guy where you could just dish it out to. But I don't think they need that at the moment because Josh Allen is continuing to emerge, and they, he has these weapons around him. Cole Beasley's a wild card. Because of the COVID thing, right? Yeah, you're not sure. If he's gonna show up or he's not. hilarious. But, I mean, regardless, I mean they still got Stefan who's coming off career. But if he and, does uh, play, whew. Gabriel Davis too. Gabriel Davis, I think, is a dog going into his second year. Last year as a rookie, he showed flashes. And Emmanuel Sanders can play anywhere on the field anywhere. in the slot outside. They'll be fine regardless. But Cole Beasley is that wild card because I mean, of the vaccine a, stuff and the <laughs> vaccine stuff. And we're not sure because if the NFL does enforce these COVID rules, Cole Beasley has said. I'm not following. Yeah, he said, yeah. yeah he's, he said he's done. He doesn't need football. He go to his rapping career. Yo. Kobe's <laughs> not a too bad of a rapper. So wait, so you have, so let me, since we have 13, I have 13 wins, you have 12 wins. So let me just, let me just knock it off. Steelers, you have them winning. That's a win. Dolphins at Miami. I say they split. So, okay. So you have, so they're at 2-1 already. Okay. Yeah. Washington. That's a win. Texans win. win. Chiefs, I'm assuming we both have lost. That's a loss. Okay, all right. Titans at, at Tennessee. And that's a loss. <laughs> that's a loss? That's okay. a loss. I had it as a win. And then you said Dolphins split. Jacksonville win. Bum-ass Jets win. Colts. That's a win. You at think? New Orleans. Man, that's tough. But fans, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a loss. That's a loss? Okay. New, uh, New England. You got them split? Split. Okay. And then at Tampa Bay. That's a loss. Yeah, that's a loss. I have nine wins for them right now on my hands. Carolina. That's a win. You had the New England split. Oh, and then Falcons, then Jets. So 12. Actually, 11 for me. Oh, because oh, okay. I already counted the Jets. The Jets, I think they're going to beat us twice. Oh, uh, I mean, I had. Oh, because you have them beating. You have them losing to the Titans and the Saints. I have them beating both. Okay, so that's why I have 11. So around near 11. To thir- they're gonna get eleven. Yeah, okay. Is around there. I think that's where they're gonna end up next season. The schedule's tough. It's not easy. That's a good schedule. I like it. It's not tough, and I think they have a lot of. I mean, it is tough, and I think they have a lot of uh, prime time games. They have too. a lot of easy games, but they have a lot of tough games too. Seven games they're they're heavily favored in. I would think. And yeah. I, I counted Washington in that, and I think that's generous because Washington. I don't think they're is a very heavily favored against Washington, but yeah. they're favored it. The next team in the division, the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins last year were a surprise team. They went 10 and 6. We all didn't expect that they had one of the top defenses in the entire NFL in terms of points allowed. And I was reading something today about Chan Gailey. Chan Gailey came out and basically gave out his first comments since leaving the Dolphins. And he said he was in total shock when Tua was named the starter. Which and means he, that his, Chan Gailey didn't know he was going to be the starter. He's the offensive coordinator? Yeah. And Chan Gailey said that he thought Fitz was the guy, the offensive So the rolling. offensive coordinator didn't know who was going to start. Yeah, he said that in Tua didn't have a preseason. He didn't have an offense built around Tua. Like, Tua didn't have an offense mm-hmm. that was cultivated it was a, it was towards a Ryan his skill offense. Exactly. And Chan Gailey was totally caught by surprise, which... Probably leads you to believe that that's why Tua didn't look so great in his rookie season. 
And because of that, I think this year we might be primed for a breakout season from Tua. I think this might be a breakout year. I love the additions. They got Bobby McCain, Eric Flowers, Kyle Van Noy. Uh, no, those they, are their losses. Yeah, those they, are losses. My fault. They got Will Fuller, Bernardrick McKinney, Jacoby Brissett, Jaylen Malcolm Waddle. Brown, Matt Skura, Justin Coleman, Adam Butler, Jason McCordy. McCordy is there too. Jalen Phillips from the draft. Jalen Waddle, Ted Cars. He left to New England. I think they made a lot of great additions, especially in their wide receiver core. Tua now has a lot of legit weapons in Will Fuller, Devontae Parker, Mike Gusecki, <coughs> Jalen Waddle, and I'm forgetting his name off off out of the backfield. Devontae Parker. Oh, pardon me. Out of the backfield. He was a surprise running back last season. I'm forgetting his name. Uh Malcolm Brown. Not Malcolm Brown. It was this it was the third down receiving back. Gaskin. Miles Gaskin, uh, yes. He was really good for them last year. Because of that, I think that Tua will be better. Statistically, he will be better. But their schedule is tough. Mm. They got the Patriots. They of got course. Buffalo. They got Indianapolis, the Bucks, the Ravens, the Saints, the Titans. Damn. That's a tough schedule. Do I think Tua will be better? Yes. Do I think he's going to all of a sudden go into elite status? No. Because of that, I have him going 9-8 and eight next season. I think their schedule is insanely tough. And even their easier games, games against the Falcons, Carolina, I don't think those are like pushover teams. I think Carolina is going to give a fight. I think Atlanta is going to give a fight. And even Las Vegas, the Raiders. With Derek Carr, he always has them in a position to win the game. Because of that, I'm not sure about the Dolphins. I'm not sure if they replicate that same success. And their defense was insanely lucky. I mean, last year, they were one of the best defenses in terms of points points allowed, but they gave up the most yards. They were insanely lucky on turnovers and forcing turnovers. They had a lot of breaks. I'm not sure if that happens next season. Well, I think, you know, bringing back, regardless of if it's luck or not, bringing back a top 10 defense in the league is impressive. You know, mostly bringing all their guys back from that defense. And like you said, Tua didn't have a whole preseason. You know, he kind of was just thrown into the fire of a Ryan Fitzpatrick offense. It was actually, you know, get this team to the playoffs. Granted, we didn't see them being where they were at, 10-6. and six, It was a kind of a mystery. Brian Flores did an incredible job. Now, like you said, Mike G, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, so I'm going to just call him Mike G, the tight end. Jalen Waddle, Devontae Parker, they have weapons for Tua. So there's really no... I don't want to say this could be a breaker, a make or break season for Tua, but it just feels like so much pressure is on him to deliver in year two with all the weapons that he has. Like he has a pretty good offense, and now he's had a full, you know, preseason, a full offseason. He's going to have a full training camp to have this offense built around his success, built around what he's good at, his strengths. And it's now you have a top 10 defense on the other side now. Can you carry us to the playoffs? And like you said, this schedule is extremely tough. On paper, I have them as the second best team in the division, but I think they finished third. I think they finished behind New England. I think I don't think Tua is going to be ready. I think he's going to have a good statistical season, but he's going to make a lot of errors in the fourth quarter, a lot of errors that cost him some games. And I think this team is just too young to really overcome this deadly, dangerous schedule. I mean, Bills, like you said, Bills, Colts, and this is the Colts when they're probably going to be healthy. Wentz and Quentin Nelson are going to be back for this game. Then you got the Falcons. That's not, that's a, that's not a pushover, like you said. Ravens. You got the Panthers. You got New York. 
You got New Orleans. At New Orleans, you got Tennessee. So it's going to be a tough schedule. And I don't think Tua is going to be ready to come in and just win them games that fast. Yeah, he's not. But you have to think, bringing back a top 10 defense like adds a bit of security for him in the sense that I I don't got to be gunslinging Fitzpatrick now. I, I could, you know, afford to, like, chill out a little bit, which has been his game. But I feel like my problem with him last season was that, like, Whenever you see a young quarterback, you always find out like who their safety blanket is. I don't think Tua was able to find a safety blanket last season, but I think them bringing in Jalen Waddle was kind of like that safety blanket in a way. Now, granted, Jalen Waddle is a rookie, so I don't know how safe and secure that's going to be. But even if not, he has uh, Devontae Parker, Mike Gusecki, and all those guys. So uh, I don't think it's a make or break. I think it's too early to tell like if he struggles this season like i don't think anyone's gonna hate him he's still trying to figure out the game he's coming off a season where he would either start or come in you know depending on how the game went ryan fitzpatrick will come in and and at least try to finish it off so like you can argue whether or not his rookie season was for real i mean this is his real first season so i wouldn't you know i don't think there's too much pressure i just let him get out there get some chemistry with his receivers and you know let him feel like let him feel an NFL game for like good, like the whole four. If you think he has an average statistical season, you don't think he's going to get crucified. I think he is. I think he's I mean, gonna he is going to be. Yeah, he's going to get crucified, but like, I don't think it should be anything to it. I think this team is primed for a playoff run, and if he doesn't make the playoffs, he's they're going to get him. Like it's they're going to be on him. You know, this team is geared up to like we just went ten and six. We just added some guys for you. Now the offense, we've given you the keys full time. It's like. Now it's really on you. Can you do it? Can you lead us to the playoffs? Our defense is going to do their job. Can the offense help out our defense? I don't think enough people talk about how Brian Flores set up to it to fail, <laughs> basically. I mean, talk wh- about it. what was the uh, goal behind that? Like just slotting into it to start and not letting Chan Gailey know? Because it definitely wasn't to draft another quarterback. They were sitting at three mm. and they moved back. Were they probably eyeing Zach Wilson or Trevor? I don't think so. Maybe Trevor, because Trevor's he was this generational prospect, quote unquote. Maybe they didn't like Fields or Lance or Mac Jones there, but realistically, Brian Flores, I think, handled the quarterback situation as bad as you can handle it last season. When Tua didn't play well, he benched them. And it that shattered somebody's confidence. Mark Sanchez came out and said the same thing. He was like you can't do that to a rookie quarterback. I'm not sure if there's anything behind that, but the reason why I think the Dolphins are going to drop off and not by much, I have them going nine and eight is because their defense got extremely lucky last year. I don't think that's going to happen again. I think their offense will be better next year, but that offensive line still isn't very good. When you look at their offensive line, Austin Jackson, Liam Eikenberg, Michael Dater, Robert Hunt, Jesse Davis, or Matt Skura may start, and he was bad with the Ravens. Their offensive line is bad. You know, Tua, there's different skill sets in, in this receiving group. Devontae Parker is more of a jump ball guy. Jalen Waddell is a route runner. He's going to call separation. And Will Fuller is a deep threat. I don't think Fuller and Devontae Parker fit Tua's skill set. I do think Waddell and Gasecki do. So I think those will be like his two go-to guys because of that offensive line and pressure may come quicker. 
those may be the two guys that he looks to the most. But we'll have to see. But I think there are a lot of question marks with the Dolphins. I'm not ready to put them second in the AFC East or first. I think they finished third too. I got them at seven and ten. Seven and ten. Yes. Yeah, after just doing my calculations, I got them at uh, seven. And if 10. they go seven and ten, that's <laughs> they're gonna have a field day with two. I don't. I don't even think that's like like because the AFC just got so much better. It doesn't matter though. Yeah, it's just like ah, it's, they got a lot of tough games, man. A lot of games where they could look at it and be like, "Well, we played tough, you know." But just certain teams is just better than this. Like they could, I don't. They can easily. I don't think they'll split it with Buffalo. I think Buffalo can easily win both of those games. You know, New England. I think can win both of those games. They got New England, and it, it'll be tough too because if they end the season right, if they're like gunning for that six seven C spot and they're in a race. Those last three games against the Saints, Titans, and the Patriots are going to be a tough dogfight in the end of the season for them. So if they're fighting, it's going to be hard. Um, and I'm expecting Jameis to make a big leap this year, too. Jameis. Winston. Oh. He's going to be great. I was so confused. He's going AFC. to be great. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll I know you was, you was hating on Jameis. 30 for 30? You was hating on Jameis. I remember. You keep saying hating. What's I hating? Knew, you was hating on Jameis. Uh, hating is like never wanting to see a guy succeed. I don't want to see him. He just has it, you know. <laughs> I know you hang on Jameis. When he shows out, you're going to see. You're going to see you was hanging on Jameis. The New England Patriots, this is one of my favorite teams in the AFC East right now. And the AFC in general, because I think even though I am a Jets fan and these are supposed to be our rivals, they got a lot of players I like on this team. Cam Newton, I really love. I love Mac Jones. I was very high on him coming out of the draft. They added a lot. Matt Judon, Hunter Henry, John Smith, Trent Brown, Jalen Mills, Kyle Van Noy, Kendrick Bourne, Henry Anderson, Ted Karras, Mac Jones, Christian Barmore. That's a lot of talent. That's a lot of talent. And even though they don't have an elite wide receiver, they also brought in Nelson Aguilar, which I think was huge. Even though they don't have an elite wide receiver, they don't need one. Bill Belichick, in his years as a coach, outside of Randy Moss, has never had an elite wide receiver. He's always had a great tight end. Two tight ends. In the 90s, Benjamin Watson, he drafted Benjamin Watson in the mid-2000s. That was the Patriots' go-to guy. He was very good for them. Then after Watson left, signed with another team, he drafted Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski. Crazy. He tried to revive the tight end position and their tight end group by drafting Devin Asiasi and Dalton Keene. But they were god awful, so he paid for some. He paid for John o. Smith. He paid for Henry, Henry. Um, he paid for Hunter Henry, and those two guys are one of the best tight ends in the league. And I think when healthy, they make up the best tight end duo in the entire NFL. The biggest question mark is Cam Newton. What Cam Newton are we going to get? Are we going to get Cam Newton in Carolina his MVP season that year? He had an elite tight end in Greg Olson. Maybe he replicates that with John o. and Hunter Henry. But as of late, Cam Newton hasn't been a very good quarterback. It's That's just been a fact. He hasn't been a very good quarterback. There is a legit argument between Cam versus Mac Jones in their camp right now. They are battling it out for the starting quarterback role. But last season, they were also hurt by the most opt-outs in the entire NFL. They had injuries as well. Their run defense was horrible. But they got Kyle Van Noy, and they got Christian Barmore, and Henry Anderson to try and solidify that. And I don't think their losses were too big. Adam Butler, Demir Bird, Jason McCourty, Marcus Cannon, Julian Edelman, he retired. It's not too big of a loss. Still got those guys, McCourty. You still got Jonathan Jones, I believe. Yes, they have 
They have McCourty, J.C. Jackson, Gilmore. Stephon, yeah, they still got them boys out there. They have an elite defense, and they will be elite next year. But their schedule is tough as well. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> the Saints, the Bucks, the Cowboys, the Chargers, the Browns, the Titans, the Colts, and then the Dolphins and Bills twice. They have a pretty tough schedule. Their win forecast, what they're predicted to go, is nine wins. I think they go 11-6. and six, And they're going to be the second best team in the AFC East. And all year long, the Bills and the Patriots will be fighting for that first place. And even if Cam Newton isn't Cam Newton, Mac Jones is going to be great. This he's season, gonna, his rookie season? He's, he's going to show up. Yes, and Mac Jones is prepared. See, that's that was my thing because the way I'm looking at the Patriots right now is at some point, Mac Jones is going to take the reins. And New England, they're just going to, you know, I'm not going to say they're going to start losing, but they're not going to be on like the winning pace that they were. Like, I don't think they're full attention unless they are like undefeated or only have two games, uh, two losses at the time he comes in. I think if, once Mac Jones comes in, granted the specifics I just mentioned before, they're just going to be worried about developing him as a quarterback. I think the wins, like I said, unless they're in a pure playoff contention. But then again, even if they are, I don't see him taking the field. I think they're going to stick with Cam if he's the one who got him to that position in the first place. So, I really don't see it. I think the Patriots going to win eight games. I see them going eight and nine. I don't think they're beating Miami or Buffalo. But, um, yeah, I just – there's a lot of quarterback controversy for me that kind of takes them away from really, you know, winning the division, like you said. I would agree with you if their coach wasn't Bill Belichick. I don't think Bill Belichick gives a damn about developing Mac Jones. I think all he cares about is winning. If Mac Jones sucks – you suck. We're not running with you. We're not. You're not going out there. If he shows that he's better than Cam Newton, Bill Belichick is going to say you're starting. I think Bill Belichick is that type of coach where it doesn't matter your status. It doesn't matter the draft pick. You can either play or you can't play. If you can play, you'll play. If you can't, you're not going to see the field. And that's why I think if Mac Jones gets that starting spot, it's because he's earned it. Nine and eight. I had to do that. Uh, Nine and eight. So the same. Oh, you have the Dolphins seven and ten. Yeah, I still have you know, New England being the second best team in the division. I just think uh, nine and eight. They have a tough schedule, and the reason why I think you know. Well, let me start off the acquisitions they got. You know, I know a little bit about Nelson Aguilar. You know, he played for my Eagles. He's all right when he's coming to play. He's still a really good. You know, they picked up some guy Trent Brown for the for the offensive line. They got some linebackers. They got that two tight end system that they always had in New England and always worked for them. So that's going to be good. Like you said, they don't really need an elite wide receiver because that two tight end system is going to work. And even when Cam Newton won MVP, he didn't have an elite wide receiver, if I'm not mistaken. He had a, well, not, if not elite, he had a great tight end in Greg Olson at the time. So that works for Cam's game. Like you said, the defense is coming back. That defense before the op outs was one of the best defenses in the NFL. That defense was elite. I think with this team, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but they're kind of having a situation where, as you said, if Cam starts, if I'm not mistaken, Cam and Mac have two completely different games. It's, it's kind of like the same with Tua and Fitz. They had two different games. If Cam is walking into the season and the offense is geared up for Cam, right, wouldn't it kind of put Mac in a bad spotlight? He's kind of like jumps in there week six, seven, but the – Offense was kind of geared towards Mac Jones. I mean, towards Cam. Now you kind of have to tinker it up for it to be, you know, for Mac at that time. Wouldn't that mess them up in a way and 
put them down in some losses because this schedule is tough. I think Cam Newton's game right now is not what it once was to the point that you're going to design an entire offense that's schemed around basically his ability to run. I don't think Cam Newton is that guy that the Patriots are looking at and they say, we want you to carry the ball 20 times. The system they have in place is a short passing system. And I think Mac Jones, that's where he thrives the most. Cam Newton, he had those situations in New England where it's a third and one. We're going to QB power and rush you up the middle and you're going to get this first down. I think that's going to change slightly. But in terms of the offense, I think Mac Jones coming in, is it's going to be very similar. I don't think it's a situation where it's RG3 in Washington and Kirk Cousins is coming in. Yeah. I don't think it's that. I think it's RG3 after coming off of an injury. Now we have Kirk Cousins. RG3 started. They didn't have success. Now it's Kirk Cousins in the system that he's comfortable in. I think it's that because Cam Newton is not that same player anymore. And because of that, if he's not that same quarterback, you're not going to scheme. Or you're not going to create a whole offensive game plan around the skill set that he had five years ago. Right. I think what he is now is a much conservative quarterback. Yeah, and that that really, you know, Cam Newton's success really predicates on what the record is going to be. I think he'll be mediocre at best, and that would lead to a 9-8 record. Mac Jones, you know, him being experienced at what he is, him being the quarterback at Alabama, I still think it's still, you know, a little too much to say he'll just come in and you know be successful I don't want to say he is but I don't want to say he isn't you know it's a 50-50 but I think you know with this schedule being so tough and that division being at where it's at right now where you have three teams that can easily make the playoffs in this division and a tough schedule you know they play Cleveland they play the Chargers they play some they play some teams for real so Cam Newton's gonna really have to step up and have that good season that he used to have but I think you know all in all nine and eight would be a solid record for them I have them making the playoffs with a nine and eight record, I have New England in my playoffs. You think they're in the playoffs with a nine and eight record? <sighs> I don't think so. That's not going to happen. Well, we don't have the same idea. You think the Colts and the Titans both win less than nine games or nine games flat? I had both of them winning more than nine games. So that's two teams in a division that go to the playoffs. I had Colts. You didn't have Colts and Titans going to the playoffs. I had Colts. No, and I had Titans. Titans going to the playoffs. I had both going to the playoffs. I, I think Titans will win that division. Okay, I had Colts. Going that's to win two the teams in that division that go to the playoffs. Yeah. You got Buffalo. Buffalo, Buffalo, you have that's three. AFC West. It's seven teams that make the playoffs now. Yeah, okay. Do you have the Chargers winning 10 games or more? Nine. I have not looked at the schedule, so I can't answer that question. Okay, I do, but now we look at the NFC North, the AFC North. Baltimore, Cleveland, that's two right there. Mm. That knocks out New England at nine. Right. Yeah, so now they don't make the playoffs. Because then Baltimore, I got Baltimore, I got Cleveland. And Pittsburgh is not going to be a cakewalk yeah. either. I got Chiefs, Bills, that's four, Colts, Titans. Yeah, it's not looking too good for them. Still- that's why I think they, they make the playoffs for me, but with 11, 11 wins. I don't think they're going to get 11, though. I think they can. I really do. They ca- I think they, they can, can, but I don't think they will. Because that with, with that elite defense, they're going to be in every single game. Every single game. No, I, Yeah, it, it really just it really depends on Cam, man. Cam and Mac, like it depends on Cam. What are they gonna do, bro? Because that defense is gonna keep them in the game. Can they capitalize? You know, that's really how it's gonna be. And can Hunter Henry stay on the field? He's already hurt right now. He's oh, gonna be out a couple weeks. He's like, so now you're already down one of your best guys out there. 
Hunter Henry, he's had a problem with staying on the field. I mean, John Smith is good, but you you need you kind of need that one two punch. You know, Nelson Aguilar, he's good. He showed promise last year, but he's had situations in the past where he's dropped the ball and he's made some errors in the fourth quarter. So it's gonna be tough. But like you said, that defense is gonna keep them in probably like 90 percent of their games. So we'll see. Uh, they won seven games last year, and I think they got significantly better. But the AFC got better. Yeah, but not as much as the Patriots did this past offseason. Which conference did the AFC East play? In the AFC? They're playing Tampa's conference. Last year we played the NFC West. So right now they're playing Tampa and them. I forgot who else we played too. We played the oh, NFC what was West. The AFC con- conference week. I think we played the we played the yeah, Raiders. No. So we played the AFC West cuz we played the Chiefs, the Chargers yeah, and the Raiders last right. year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, that's a tough conference too. I mean This year we played the AFC South. And the uh, NFC NFC South. NFC South. Yeah, that's that's easier than that last year's. I'm not sure. It's gonna be tough. There's two L's. Now for the last team, the New York Jets. The, the New York Jets. Man, <laughs> go ahead, going a little rant. Last year we went, we won two games. We went two and fourteen, and we made a lot of additions: Carl Lawson, Corey Davis, Morgan Moses. Even though right now Morgan Moses and George Fan are, are having a legitimate tackle battle right now. Like it's not a given that Moses is going to start over Fan. Gerard Davis, Keelan Cole, Sheldon Rankins, LaMarcus Joyner, Tyler Croft, Vinnie Curry, Tevin Coleman. Then our rookies, Elijah Moore, AVT. I, I call him ADT because he's going to protect that blind side for Zach Wilson or the other side. Oh, no, he's the guard. My fault. Still, <laughs> the, the blind side with Mikhail Beck on that left side. Michael Carter, Zach Wilson. We made a lot of additions. And our subtractions aren't really noteworthy. I mean, Henry Anderson, Jordan I mean, Jenkins. They were part of a 2-14 and 14 team yeah. anyway. So. Brian Poole, I think, was the biggest loss. I think the Jets win four more games, and I think they go 6-11. and 11. And I think that's a great rookie season for Zach Wilson. Right now, Zach Wilson isn't having too great of a training camp. But honestly, yeah, he was recording it. What happened, man? Everybody's already reacting to the training camp. Quarterback struggling training camp. Not Trey Lance. Even though I was, I was talking to an NFL player yesterday, and I, I got his take on uh, Zach Wilson's struggles, and he told me, "Nah, man, there's something behind that," <laughs> <laughs> which got me a little bit more worried. Who, can you can you you can't exploit his name? Um, no, nah, I don't feel like it. Oh, okay, but because of that, I got a little bit worried. But at the same time. Zach Wilson gave an answer to the press conference, to, to the media, and he said, I'm going to make these throws in practice because I want to see what I can get away with. And I'd rather make mistakes in practice than make mistakes in the game. Right. And that quote, I, I love that quote, but then again, you know, everybody fell in love with that quote. They said Zach Wilson is so mature and he's so ready for the media. I asked that same player what his thoughts were on the quote, <laughs> and he said, Nah, man, that's not why. <laughs> he was like, he's just throwing interceptions. So that kind of got me off my rails a little bit. But I think six wins is reasonable. I think we have some pretty easy games. Even though these teams are in our kind of tier, it's still, they're winnable games. The Panthers, the Falcons, the Bengals, the Texans, the Eagles, and the Jaguars. Those are all winnable games. I think we can win half of those games. You won't beat us. That's three wins right there. We will for the first time in history. We will. No, you don't worry. You think we get swept by the, our division? Oh, you're a Jets fan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my it, God. It, it depends. If the Bills, Dolphins, or Patriots make the playoffs and they don't need to play. Well, that's the thing I was looking at. Yeah. We play 
Buffalo week 17. Okay, so, so. that's great because if Buffalo <laughs> makes the playoffs and we and they rest, we can win that game too. But also, I think these are toss-up games or like games we're, we're not favored in at all in. The Broncos, even, Broncos. even the Broncos, I think we could win that game. But the Titans, I think, is a loss. The Colts, the Saints, the Bucks, the Patriots twice. Bill Belichick doesn't lose to rookie quarterbacks. Zach Wilson, maybe he could change that, but I don't, I don't have faith he will. You're super high on New Orleans, bro. I am. Real. I'm high on New Orleans. I'm they have the same team outside Winston. of uh, – I think they had a is. Drew Brees problem. Oh, God. Drew Brees' last two seasons in, with the Saints was not that good. I mean – To bottom line. In the regular season or in the playoffs? Both. In the regular season. He limited he their offense. Jameis Winston, he's a slinger. He's yeah, but his, uh, we'll see. His accuracy is pretty. Uh, yeah, his decision making isn't that good either. We'll see though. We'll he was see. blind. Yeah, that's what I keep hearing. So you know, we'll see. But that's why I think we have a lot of winnable games. That's why I say six because even between the Titans, Colts, Saints, Bucks, Patriots, Dolphins, and Bills, we can we can surprise one of those teams. There will be one game where Zach Wilson has that aha. You and he goes crazy. I don't, I don't know if this is a season for that, yo. Because I, I, I don't know, man. Because my thing with Zach Wilson is that I'm happy they brought back Jameson Crowder. Because I talked about them having a safety blanket for like rookie QBs. I think Jameson Crowder is going to be their safety blanket. Usually, it'd be a tight end like Chris Herndon or something, but he sucks. So, so that don't matter. But I mean, they're definitely going. They're going. Be sl- making him sling it every single, every single game. Elijah Moore um, was a huge addition. Tevin Coleman in the backfield ain't too bad either. But I was looking at the games. I think the only games we gonna win, like for real, are Carolina. I don't even think y'all gonna be Carolina, man. Cincy, <laughs> Philly, and Jacksonville. But here's the thing: I think Sam Darnold gonna have a revenge game week one. I already, I already told you this. Sam Darnold gonna be like a dark horse for MVP. Like, I, what though? <laughs> yo, I for real, I for I'm stuck on that. Sam Darnold is so garbage. Nah, yo, he's gonna be one of the worst quarterbacks in the league again next season. I don't think he's so. actually having a bad yeah. camp. No, I know yo, he, he threw is. like twelve picks. Yeah, in camp, twelve. Yes, already. In yes. six days or five six, days, something, or something like, like that. that. It was twelve. Yeah, he, in he, a week. He's at a point where he can't give that Zach Wilson answer. That's who yeah, he is yeah. as a quarterback. Well, I mean, and Carolina doesn't have an exceptional defense. Yo, twelve picks. Given that offensive talent, to not go crazy with that talent against that defense. Yeah, if he would have said that excuse after throwing twelve picks in five days, I'd have just looked at him and been defeated. Because it's like, bro, what are you talking Jaylen about? Jalen Hurts has been bad in camp too. I figured that. That's why we haven't made a decision yet. I was never high on Hurts. You know it is. I this. wasn't either. Yeah, you know. I heard he was better than Ryan Tannehill. I heard he was better than a lot of guys, bro. <laughs> you know, what I heard I'm Jake Fromm was better than Ryan Tannehill. Why you man? Crazy. Hey man, I don't. Your boy, I, yeah, you said you said I, that. He said that. I didn't say that. He said that. But um, listen, the Jets, they had an A plus offseason, Man, you got your guy. You traded that other guy. Thank God, you finally got a franchise quarterback that you can build around. You know, he got some swag. He got some umph to him. You know, he has a lot of talent, so that's good. You have a franchise quarterback. Not to mention, instead of you know with Sam Donald, you got Sam Donald. You guys got kind of didn't bring any talent with him. With Zach Wilson, you did. You know, you brought some offensive line help. You brought some receivers there. You, I wouldn't say built up the defense at an elite level, but you did bring some guys. Yeah, mostly back. Yeah, you did bring in some guys for defense. You guys had a few guys that were injured last year that's coming back from injury. So it that's good, too. And I think you did the best with what you could do, and that's good. You, 
your GM showed signs of life. He showed that he is a competent GM that can make some solid moves, and I think that's a good thing. You went in the right direction as opposed to previous years where you kind of went in the wrong direction. So at that point, in a rebuild situation, I think that's good for any team. And like you said, you guys weren't in win mode now anyway, so just bringing in guys to just see what Zach Wilson's going to do is great. You know, Corey Davis is a good addition. Like you said, bringing back Jameson Crowder. You got Elijah Moore. You still have Denzel Mims waiting to break out and have that year two explosion. So I think all that's four receivers right there just waiting. So, you know, I think Zach Wilson is probably going to have a really good rookie rookie year. But all in all, Jets did good. You just you guys aren't going to win six games. You're probably going to win four. As much as I hate to admit it, I think Denzel Mims, I'm out on Mims. You just started on him. He he just got, um. what's it called? Food poisoning. Did you hear yeah. that? I didn't hear about that. He lost 20 pounds in Wait, a matter of like a week. Hold wow. on, because this guy is crazy. What do you mean you're out you of was, business? You yeah. were mad high yeah, on what, last what do you year, mean? Yo. Because Mims. Nothing has happened to you to change your mind. In training camp, he hasn't been good. It's training no, camp. No, it's different bro. for receivers. Oh, Keelan, Cole, Keelan Cole is beating him out. Okay, but bro, let it. Let the bro, season play Elijah out. Moore is better. Keelan Cole is better. Crowder is better. And Corey Davis is better. Okay, wait a minute. You can't tell. If me and him walk into camp and I have a season on my belt, you can't tell him he's better than me. He hasn't played NFL football yet. He hasn't played against real competition Elijah yet. Moore is different. Different in training camp against your corners? A.J. Brown said Elijah Moore is different. Good for him. I'm glad he said that. No, they went to the same college. Ole Miss. Okay, they played. You know what A.J. Brown Brown said? Oh, my A.J. Brown said, I'm putting money on him to win office rookie of the year. He's somebody I'll bet on. Good for him. That's his boy. What you want him to say? All I'm saying is that, (laughs) yo, when he got drafted too, A.J. Brown was there. He was crying and said, yo, you taught me so much, bro. You're going to be great. I believe him. AJ Brown is—he don't lie, bro. I just can't believe he be spitting. You're, you're he be spitting. You told me Mims like if, if I can go back in the messages, you were raving about Mims. Yo, and that you were putting him over so many because he came out of a star-studded wide receiver. You want to know why? Mm-hmm. You want to know why? I'll tell you this. Training camp changer. <laughs> no, no, no. It's not that. It's because Mims. I didn't realize the type of character he was. What the? You know because what kind of character? Yeah, I want to. Once he this. got drafted, <laughs> I'm gonna let everybody know this story. Once Denzel Mims got drafted, he put out on his Instagram story that, you know, who wants to be in a Madden league? And I replied and I said, yo, I'll be in a Madden league. He said, I bet. We, we, I was in the same Madden franchise as Denzel Mims. So I had him as a friend on PlayStation. When I tell you that this dude is on PlayStation every single day. <laughs> so is AD. He, he's okay, but AD's established. <laughs> Denzel Mims was on PlayStation every day. I don't know if he was working on his game as much as these other guys are working on their game. I also did ask him to be on the podcast. Never answered back. So that's it, really it's, why you're here. It, look, it's bad luck when you don't. <laughs> it's bad luck when you don't accept invitations on the podcast. It's bad luck. Is yo player? Yo, there have been a few players that have denied requests to be on the podcast. All I'm saying, the track record for their success after is not that good. So you're out on Mims. Please don't jump back on the yeah, bandwagon. We don't have time out. for this. Bro. I am out on Mims. So you're out. This is the yes. official. After training camp, you're done with him. Yes. Okay. So you're. I, in I just don't think he works on his game enough. So I don't think he works on his game. You're, enough. So you're in on more. Like you're in. I am all the locked way in. in on more. I'm okay. locked in. All right, man. I'm locked in security lock. Right. Security. Okay. Making sure. I'm. I'm photo vault locked in and on Elijah Moore. Right. Don't need a passcode for me to not be locked in on him no more. Okay. I'm just making sure you stay. Um, but yeah, that, that's why I'm not so high on Mims. I, I just I don't know if he works on his game enough, and I, because of that, I'm not sure. You know where he where he's at. I mean, he coming off that, like I said, food poison. Dude got food poison. That sucks. That's unfortunate. I feel sorry for him. But the reality of the situation is that <laughs> Corey Davis is going to start. Yeah. Jamison yeah. Crowder is going to start. 
that third guy. Keelan Cole is better than Denzel Mims. Mm. And Elijah Moore, he's not just a slot. He can play outside. He can be a deep threat, too. And that's, that's why, and that's why I, I don't know if Denzel Mims is going to get that opportunity. Last year, he was okay, but he he lacked separation. He didn't have that burst of speed. And I know I like talked up Sam, but his QB was also Sam. I know. <laughs> I mean, you think he's an MVP though, French yeah, MVP. Horse. I mean, now, but like, boy, got DJ Moore out there, man. DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, his leading receiver. His for his twelve first picks. Robbie doesn't years. even like Sam. How do you know that? Because I saw an article about how <laughs> he he basically talked about how Sam was the reason why he didn't have much success in New York. Twelve picks in five days, man. There was a highlight reel of Sam like overthrowing Robbie, and then Robbie like liked the tweet and said, and I think he he replied to it and said. Uh, he I forgot what he said, but he basically acknowledged the fact that Sam wasn't a very good. No, first game I ever, uh, first Jets game I ever went to, Jets and Bills. I went to that game. I was uh, security for it last season, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it was last season. If it was last season, the year before, wherever y'all played Jets week one, y'all played the Bills week one, and y'all were up like seventeen zero. Buffalo or no? I wouldn't never. I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't travel to Buffalo. If Denzel Mims doesn't succeed with the Jets, that that. Podcast that pick aside podcast request denial is real. Mm. The curse is real. That's why if you're a player, we, we, we reach out. You better accept because saw, you, players don't tend that. We, we're like the two K curse. Oh my god! I saw Sam Darnold throw a deep ball to Robbie, and Robbie had to run back and get it, and the yeah. safety almost took his head off. Like literally, almost killed Robbie. And I was like, Wow, this dude sucks. Yeah, I'm not high on Sam, bro. Yeah, I blew a 17-point lead after that. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, there was that game. I forced myself to be high on Sam, <laughs> but I never was high on Sam. I really wasn't. Out of college, he just didn't have the quarterback face. I mean, this is this is my last standpoint. Like, if he don't do nothing, like, if he doesn't at least show a sign of growing. I mean, you said Dark Horse MVP, so he got to show more than the sign. Like, Well, I mean. He got to show life. Like, sheesh. I still on to the next topic. The Cincinnati Bengals have not extended Jesse Bates, and they are not planning to. Jeremy Fowler reported that they are not expected to reach a contract agreement, and this is shocking news to me. And there are quite a quite a couple of news coming out of the Bengals camp. You know, Joe Burrow hasn't been so great in camp so far. He had this one good practice, though, the other day. Jamar Chase, there's been a report that he has been lacking that separation in camp. And now Jesse Bates. And for me, Jesse Bates is one of the best safeties in the NFL right now. Since getting drafted, he has had over 100 tackles, three interceptions in each season. And last year, he had 15 pass breakups. PFF, if I'm not mistaken, ranked him as the number one, number one safety in the entire NFL. He's only 24 years old. I don't get why. They don't want to extend him. Maybe it's because he's asking for too much money. I mean, we're Jets fans. We went through that with Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams wanted $20 million a year. And Joe Douglas said, okay, we're going to trade you. And we traded him. We got two first-round picks. And now we are where we're at. I think Jesse Bates makes the Bengals secondary look that much better because last year they had William Jackson, Mackenzie Alexander, Darius Phillips. They were good, but they weren't exceptional. Jesse Bates masked a lot of their mistakes. And this year, they got worse. Mike Hilton, Awuzie, Trey Waynes, Darius Phillips. Uh, their, their corners aren't great. So Jesse Bates this year is probably going to have to 
do even more to mask that secondary. And since getting drafted, their defense has been getting better. 2018, they were the 30th ranked defense. 2019, they were the 25th ranked defense. And 2018, they were the 22nd ranked defense. Since Jesse Bates has got there, they have been getting better every year. And if I were them, I would sign him in a heart because he is a game-changing player. Yeah, I agree. Not to mention he's young. You know, so you got to have a young safety. You know, he's, I think he's not about 24, 25, maybe 26, but he's around Justin Simmons' age. And you got a young safety right now who can change the game at that pace and who can mask a lot of the errors that a lot of your cornerbacks who are probably old. I think William Jackson is older than him with more experience. He's in Washington. Where he played. Oh, yeah, last year. Okay. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, messing up my thought, man. But you got you got a, a safety at that young age who's able to mask a lot of the weaknesses of your corners and your other safety. I think that's somebody you need to keep. And like you said, Cincinnati is in rebuild process. Joe Burrow's young. You know, T. Higgins, who broke out last year, he's young. Jamar Chase, who you just drafted, is young. Like, these are even, um, I'm blanking on it, Tyler Boyd, still young. So, you got a young team, and to lose your safety or not want to pay your safety, and I get it. Paying a safety twenty mil a year, it, it gets a little stretchy. But you know, I, I think this is a little different than Jamal Adams because I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys didn't want to pay him because he kind of was like a linebacker, if I'm not mistaken. With Jesse Bates, though, he's you know he can cover, he can play man, he can play in the zone. So I think this is a little bit different situation. And with the with the Bengals, they don't have a lot of talent, so you gotta have to capitalize on what you have right now. This is a player, a high caliber player, who's one of the best safeties in the NFL. And you need to pay him his money or you're going to lose him to a team. And he might go to a team in your division and then you're going to have to play him twice a year. He's a free agent after this season too. My thing is like when you're rebuilding a franchise, like you're trying to set a new tone. And Cincinnati ain't seen something good in I don't even know how long. So since Marvin Lewis. Since Marvin Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> but in my like humble opinion, it's like I think – if you want to like kickstart this like culture turn, one of the main things the team can do is showing that you know how to keep like your best players. So, I mean, you got arguably the best safety in the league and you're just going to let them walk. I understand now, granted, because it looks like they like going all in on their offense. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and like you mentioned, T. Higgins. You still got Joe Mixon in the backfield and uh, Tyler Boyd. I understand maybe going all in on the offense is like your go to. And, you know, 20 mil a year to your one best defensive player might kind of mess that up. But, I mean, it, it takes a lot. Because I remember with the Jamal Adams thing, like, Jamal Adams was asking for his money. But my thing was, if he really wants, like, the Jets to win, I think he would understand that there's, like, much more important pieces that all this money can go to. And I'm not trying to, like, get that out of Jesse Bates or whatever, but... Like it's it's hard on teams when a defensive player asks for that kind of money, unless it's like a Lawrence Taylor or something like a safety. It's kind of like come and go, but I mean, like I still see it as that. I think the Jets are in a different situation than the Bengals or were because the Jets had no positions filled outside of safety, mm. Jamal Adams. I think right now the Bengals do. They have their receivers. They have their quarterback of the future. They have their running back. You look at their defensive line, they have that with DJ Reader, Trey Hendrickson, and, and Sam Hubbard. They have that filled up. Their linebackers are average. Their corners, they paid for corners. 
And their offensive <laughs> line is getting better with Riley, Riley Reef and Jonah Williams and Quinn Spain. Trey Hopkins isn't too bad. They're in a better position to just pay guys because right now Joe Burrow and his rookie quarterback deal, you have that luxury to pay to overpay for a safety, to give him a, a big contract because Joe Burrow's quarterback is not coming up. He's still getting paid pennies on a dollar, basically. I would pay Jesse Bates in a heartbeat, but I want to get your thoughts on this as well. Jamar Chase, there's been a report that he's not showing much separation in camp right now. Do you do you think that's a big deal or you think it's not a big deal? What you mean? I, I think it's a big deal because of the fact that you are, you know, you're in training camp and you're playing corners that we just established aren't that good. Or they're not going to be, you know, you're in the division where you're going to see Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphreys twice a year, and then you got to go to Pittsburgh where you're going to see Joe Hayden, Minka Fitzpatrick twice a year, and then Cleveland where you got to see Denzel Ward twice a year. So this ain't no walk-in-the-park division. No, this is a division where you see top-notch talent at that secondary position. Jamar Chase also said Rome wasn't built in a day. Yeah. That's his comment <laughs> on it. You know what? he was asked about his show. That was such time. a Zach Wilson comment from – like, okay, Rome wasn't building the day. Okay. I'm, here. <laughs> I'm not too worried about Jamar Chase. I'm not worried. I because like out of college, I thought he was a jump ball receiver. I think that's what he's going to be. He, he's just his size overwhelms corners to the point that you just throw it up. He's going to come down with it. But also, there's been reported that he's not coming down with those in camp. But he also didn't play football in about a year. He, he opted out last season. He definitely did. He's still getting into the rhythm of the game. Because of that, I, I don't. I, this is not too much, too big of a deal. It's something, though. If this was like their only receiver that you're counting on, yeah, 100%. He'll probably be playing against third stringers. So. But with T. Higgins and with Tyler Boyd there, it's going to free up Jamar Chase a lot more than if he would have went to the Jets, per se. And yeah. you, don't, you only have like Crowder next to you. I think the Bengals are in a better position to make Jamar Chase look better. But obviously this is a debate because people thought the Bengals should have taken Panay Sewell. But then again, it's like he's not getting open against third stringers on the Bengals. Well, we're not sure if he's going up against those third stringers. But <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I, I think all of those guys are in the same tier, though. Trey Waynes, yeah, Mike Hilton. Yeah. Like, they're in the same tier. <laughs> but, I'm saying he get, but he can't get open against them. All right, well. Joe Burrow also hasn't been having a great camp. Well, he's That's also a, coming off an injury, too. Yeah. They just got a lot of coming off of things, you know, so they got to figure it out. I think he'll be okay down the line, but it sounds like to me, like you said, I don't know, you just was out on Denzel Mills for training camp, so what you think? Well, I think Jamar Chase is different than Denzel. <laughs> oh, okay. Denzel. okay. I, 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 don't, I don't have any personal experience with Jamar Chase in terms of I, I don't have him on PlayStation. I can't see if he's on the game. Mm. You know, I saw Denzel playing. <laughs> I saw Denzel Mims playing. He, was playing, he was playing NBA My Park. What? I saw him playing Warzone. Like, wow. I, I seen that on my PlayStation. Denzel Mims, or his name was like, I think. He's on every day. I'm not going to, you know, shout out his, like, PSN. <laughs> but I saw his PSN. It was like Warzone. So he's yeah. on the game every day. From what I seen, yes, he was. <laughs> every single time I hop on, I seen him. I seen his name. You don't have, you don't work for, like, the Jets. So it's like, you have mad time. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, that, that's all I see, bro. I, I don't be on places like that though. So maybe so, in the times that I'm on, I see him. But yeah, <laughs> I, every time I'm on, I you do see him. him. Yeah. Okay, so he's like, when you on, you know, like, ah, right, yeah, I'm hit Denzel up because I know he's on. That makes sense. All right. All right. Yeah, but he was on. That's why you know. 
I think Jamar Chase is also way more talented than Denzel. Agreed. Yeah. Like, I don't think it's a debate. Like, Jamar is a freak of nature. Agreed. But I think Elijah Moore might be the best receiver in this class. Oh, God. Here we go. Elijah Moore is the same thing. Elijah Moore is the dog. No, I didn't. You was you was talking about him like he was a god. I bro. told you about Chase Claypool though. You did. I told you about I told you about I was right you about Told me about Jalen Rieger too. It's rookie season. <laughs> no, no. Oh my God, yo. It's his rookie season. Nah, I don't want to hear that. You told me about him too. You pissed me. I told me you off. about a lot of receivers that ended yeah. up being good. You told me you get, I give you the Claypool one. I think I had like seven out of ten. You told me I, I went forgot. seven you, out of yeah, ten. You told me like fifteen guys, bro. It was a lot of guys you named. you told me about uh Mooney. I remember that. And oh, Mooney yeah, was good. Yeah. You definitely told me about Mooney. But the Regal one will forever stick out to me because I've seen him. <laughs> that, that it's one, his rookie year, though. Got to give him a break. You really made me If like, you If you knew how Rager was doing, Rager, Jalen Rager was doing in camp, mm-hmm. I would be like, okay, you got it. But I don't know how he's been doing in camp. I know Denzel Mims has been bad. The only I know I know the only person that's been getting rave out of camp is Devontae Smith at, out of the receiver. Oh, and Travis Fulgham. But Rager has been hurt, so. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll see sooner rather than later. Yes, we will. Jalen Rager. (laughs) Now on to the NBA portion of the episode. Cade Cunningham versus Jalen Green. They faced off on Tuesday. And simple question, who do you think won the matchup? And recap the game for us. You know, what did you see from Cade? What did you see from Jalen Green? But ultimately, who who won the matchup? You know... People are gonna think I have a bit of a bias towards Kate because I've been posting a lot of Detroit Pistons stuff and you know reposting Kate. But I think you know the the way the game went. You know when they I'm just speaking off. I know people are gonna look at just the box score and think Jalen won the matchup. But I think people need to really go watch the game and specifically look at when Kate and Jalen matched up, like when they were guarding each other. And I think when they matched up together, I think Cade won the matchup. You know, I think starting off in the first half, you've seen a lot of turnovers from Jalen Green. I think you've seen a lot of the game plan, you know, Jalen coming off the screen. I think what they've noticed in Jalen Green is he's good in a pick and roll if he's looking to score. But when he's looking to be a playmaker or when he's turned into a playmaker, he makes a lot of turnovers. He makes bad decisions. So what I noticed from Detroit is when he sets a screen, they blitz him. You know, they blitz him hard or they hit him off the double. On, on Cade, and what I noticed, Cade was taking him a lot off the dribble. He was posting him up. You know, he kind of was playing bully ball with Jalen Green, using his size to his advantage. You know, even one time he hit him on a Euro step, he kind of moved him with his body. So I noticed that a lot too. Jalen Green didn't really feel comfortable until Cade was out the game. And his coach, I don't know the Houston's coach, but his coach put Jalen in the game. And it was kind of like Cade wasn't out and Jalen kind of got the rhythm. Josh Christopher, he, we, we seen him a little bit on Cade. He, I think he was a bit more effective on Cade. Than Jalen Green, but all in all, I think, you know, watching them two match up, you know, you could just see with Jalen, he's going to be an elite scorer in this league. You you, you see it. it. It's there. He has the moves. He has the talent. It's just I think his frame is going to be a little bit, you know, tricky his rookie year, but he's going to figure that out. But with Cade, you've just seen him so much in the game, be a vocal leader, you know, be a playmaker. The jump shot is obviously there, you know, be a score. But all in all, I think the matchup went to Cade when they matched up together. But obviously, Jalen won the game. You know, he scored more points. But I think Cade won the individual matchup. Yeah, I'll I'll say that too. Um, I'm huge on Cade right now. For me, like, I don't know. When I was watching the game, they were like, oh, Cade got four turnovers. Jalen Green got four turnovers. I'm like, all right, but they were like holding the ball the most time. That's just bound to happen throughout that but 
like looking at the numbers, Cade with a minus eight and Jalen Green had a plus plus seventeen. So I mean, I'm I'm gonna be real. I didn't I did not watch that game, but I still feel like Cade Cunningham's game, overall game is way better than Jalen Green. I mean, that's pretty much I don't know if it's obvious, but I feel like that's just a general consensus right there. But for me, I just think Cade, the, when I see Cade play in college, it's like he'll figure it out. You know, like he, he's got the intelligence to it. I feel like that's a point that a lot of people don't discuss in the NBA. Like your basketball IQ takes you a long way. Now, Jalen Green being a scorer, that already speaks to his IQ enough, you know, knowing how to get to your spots and get those shots off. But Cade, I mean, he's, he's a great passer. And he's good. Like I said, the IQ is better. So, I mean, yeah, Jalen Green won this matchup. But, you know, going into the future and looking in terms of, like, who's going to have a better career, I'm not going to pick that out right now. But Cade has a way better all-around game. And I think that's, like, going to speak to it in the future. Rev. Yo. Watching this game. <clears throat> was tuned in. I was actually playing basketball. While this game was happening. Oh, yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah I, I was playing basketball. But then once the game started, I said, yo, subbing out. I'm tuned in. YouTube TV. Great luxury to have. Same. I was watching it. It's tuned in, locked in. I don't think that matters much about when they were both on the court. What I was looking for <clears> was <throat> who looked better. When I watched the game, who looked better? It was Jalen Green. Jalen Green had 25 points. He had five rebounds, three assists. You say that he wasn't that great of a playmaker. You know, it's hard for anybody to playmake when they're double teaming you near half court. I mean, Jalen Green was getting blitzed. He was getting doubled. He was getting the James Harden treatment in a summer league game. That's how dangerous Jalen Green is. I don't think Houston saw Cade as that dangerous. I think they saw him as, okay, he'll get his buckets, but... We aren't necessarily worried about that. I will say this. Cade impressed me in the way that he communicates on defense. When we did our scouting report on Cade, we said that. Defensively, he's a vocal leader. Cade is that. But he shot 8 for 18. That's not great efficiency. 4 for 9 from 3. I I love that efficiency. He had that one move on Jalen Green. That was a highlight. It was a great move. But the Rockets won this game by 20. Jalen Green showed out. And my guy, Alperen Sengun, he showed out too. I told you about Alperen now. Yeah. I told you about Alperen. He had 21, 8, and 4 blocks. I told you about that man. He's dangerous. Summer league, bro. He's dangerous. <laughs> I told you about that man. And Josh Christopher, he was really good too, 15 points. I think Christopher, man, he wasn't on my radar in the draft. I didn't bother scouting him, and I regret it because this guy is explosive. He can get to the basket. He can get to the basket. For the Pistons, Luka Garza was, was okay. He looked good. Surprisingly. Yeah, he, he dropped 20 pounds, so he's trying to be more agile. But the biggest thing that stood out to me this game wasn't on the Rockets. It wasn't about Jalen Green. It wasn't about Kid Cunningham. It was Killian Hayes. I'm worried about Killian Hayes. I'm worried about the player I was going to say something about become. that, too. Not even the player. I was worried about the fit. And I'm just worried about Killian Hayes because it's evident that he is not a playmaker. He's not a guy who can be the primary facilitator on the offense. He's not a good shooter. He lacks aggression. 
He's an elite defender, though. <laughs> he's a, in terms of defense, he's a great defender. And Jalen Green had his moments against Killian. He was he was giving him the business. If Killian doesn't deserve doesn't develop a jump shot, he's gonna be on the bench soon. He has to develop a three point shot. What's gonna keep him afloat is that defense, but that three point shot has to catch up. And I think now what I project him to be is more of a three and D guard. And I think that's a better fit next to Cade. But I'm worried about Killian Hayes. He has been horrible in the summer league. Six points. You're in your second year. You played overseas. You know, we're expecting you to be better. And he hasn't been. I'm worried about Killian Hayes. That's for sure. Well, I'm not going to make a, you know, grand big deal over summer league. You know, summer league is a good observation. But I agree. But Killian wasn't good when no, he no, played I'm, last year. No, I'm, not, I'm going to get into that. Killian, like you said, he wasn't good when he got the opportunity to play last year. But... Speaking on that, I do think Cade, I think Cade's best success, and I think Detroit's going to realize it's him being the lead guard. I think that's mm-hmm. when, I, I know we talked about him playing the three or being, I think he needs to be the certified one and just, you know, be versatile in that aspect. I think we've kind of figured that out early. I didn't think it'd be this early where we figured it out, but Summer League game two, he needs to be that. I don't think, I think him off ball, he can do that, but I don't think Killian is the guy to let that happen to. I think if it was somebody else, maybe like a magical situation with Chris Paul or something like that, that would be fine. But Killian isn't that guy. And like you said, no, yeah, Singoon definitely was, he was showing out, showing some moves against those bigs and Josh Christopher. You saw that elbow. Yeah, I did. I was, saw yeah, that. He was, yeah, he, he was showing, he, he, he was showing moves, out. Sekou Diombe, I don't know how to say his name. Sekou Dum- yeah, he Boya. was playing really good too. He, he showed some flashes. It, it was a lot of talent on the court in that Houston versus Detroit game. A lot of young talent, you know, but I think rookies versus rookies, obviously Houston's rookies showed out for sure. But, you know, when you say Jalen Green showed out, I don't know, bro. From a scoring from a sh- scoring aspect, of course. But I think Jalen Green's always going to show out in as- that aspect. I think, but from overall game, you can't tell me Jalen Green showed you anything more than he's just going to be an elite scorer. I mean, that's what I'm expecting him to be. That's what I'm saying. So it's like, like, and scoring I, is the most important thing in basketball. But it's not. It's it is, but it's not because the the best scorers in the league aren't the most important players in the league. Numbers wise, numbers wise, numbers wise. I disagree. Numbers wise, I disagree. Yeah, I was about to say right now. You think Steph Curry is one of the best scorers in the league? Yeah, he's one of the most important too. But Bradley Bill isn't. What about James Harden? James Harden wasn't one of the statistically wasn't one of the best scorers this well, year. In Houston, every year he was there, he was one of the, t- but he he was was the also, top scorers. But he was also one of the best playmakers in the league. So it's a it's a give me more. Like what else can you do? I think Jalen Devin Green, Booker showed that this past year. I mean, well, I, that uh, one of the best scorers in the league was one of the most important players too. That's, that's a good one. I, I just believe that we look at these scores in Bradley Beal and Zach Levine in uh in, in Chicago and. We see that okay, they put it these numbers, but they don't make the playoffs. But then the argument is that they get a point guard. They and don't then get. What? They don't. Well, the argument is that they don't have a good team around them either. Yeah, but I think that's and that's what I think is going to be the key. What what can you put next to Jalen Green that's going to kind of mask what he well, can't I do? I think when you have a guy like KPJ who can score and pass like he can, mm. when you have Christian Wood, when you have Alperen Sengun rising up those ranks, when you have <laughs> Usman Garuba, like has I he think, played yet? No, he hasn't. I think their young core is one of the best in the league. If we're talking about like 23 and under, mm-hmm. probably one of the best. 
Like, you know, maybe Atlanta, I'm not sure about their answers. John Collins is older. So I would say maybe like 22 and under, Houston has the Charlotte, best young core. Charlotte got probably. some hoopers out there too. They do. No doubt about Charlotte's it. Charlotte's up there. Houston is there, but the West is tough. I don't expect Jalen Green to make an immediate impact on winning. I expect him to average 20 a year. But as he grows into his body, as he gets bulkier, to me, I just think Jalen Green has that mindset where he's not going to be a horrible defender in the league. I think, and you know what, you know what else, you know what stuck out to me, you know, Jalen is so it's and Jalen Green was relishing that matchup. He guarded Cade. They was guarding each other. I know, but Jalen Green was like, "I'm not going to be hidden. I'm not going to. I'm not going to Steph Curry it. I'm guarding you." Yeah, but that's where that's where he's he was so worried about that, and I, this is why one of the things why I love Cade's mindset. I think Cade is going to be like one of the best leaders. He wasn't worried about that matchup. He was just worried about being better as a player, being better for his team. You know, that he was on that mindset. He didn't even entertain that matchup. That's amazing. And even Jalen relished the matchup and didn't perform that great in the one-on-one matchup, you know. so it, I mean, that, that was great. And Cade had that team-first mentality and lost by 20. Oh, for and, sure. And Jalen Green, statistically on a box score, had the better numbers and had his team win. We watched the game, though, you I mean, Houston's yeah. young core is crazy. That's yeah. why. Yeah, we, yeah. And Al Pernish and Goon was next level, too. He was cooking. Yeah. Detroit, I mean, Detroit, they, they was missing shots. They was missing a lot of shots. But Houston definitely has a very interesting young core. You know, I, I didn't think Josh Christopher would be as advanced as he is. I thought it would take him like a year or two, but he's definitely shown out. Defensive, he was always there defensively. The effort was always there. But he's shown the ability that he can guard at a high level, and that's good, too. And Singoon, you know, showing the post work, showing that he the, the ability to get to the line at all times, no matter who's guarding him. I think that was impressive too. All in all, Houston has a we're still waiting for Garuba. Um yeah. I'm just gonna say this. My biggest takeaway from the game was Killian Hayes. Mm. Uh, it wasn't Green or Cade. I'm really worried about Killian you Hayes. You was high on him too. I was high on him. I wasn't Another crazy high guys, on him. Though. But he was high. I was I thought he was good, you know, no doubt about it, but Killian Hayes is is the biggest takeaway in this game for me. If I was watching and, you know, you've been keeping up with the young players getting drafted, Killian Hayes is the guy that sticks out like you have to be better. I agree. I think what the takeaway for me was obviously Detroit's youth. I think they have a really good youth aside from Killian not showing up. I think Sadiq Bey, I don't know how to say his name, Dion Bey. Seiko. Seiko, him, Cade, even Luke Garza, you know, he performed admirably. I think those four guys, you know, coming into a young Detroit system, I think that they're going to be really good. They they have some chemistry together, but like you said, yeah, Killing Hayes, he just looked, he looked like, uh, he didn't look like an alpha on that court, being that he's the oldest, the most mature, and he's the most experienced on that court. He didn't look like that on that court at all. On to talking about Summer League and moving on. What rookie has impressed you the most so far in Summer League? I got three. <laughs> I have I have two. Well, I, I have I actually one, two, three, four. I have five. You go first. But I'm going to name two. Oh, okay. Because you might name somebody that I was going to name, so it's whatever. Alperin Shengun. Okay. I mean, this guy is, man, 18 points, 11 and a half rebounds, three and a half assists per game, four blocks. He has 10 free throw attempts per game and it whispers into the ball every single yes, time he, he shoots. Yeah, very weird. Yeah, I don't know what's up with that. <laughs> Alperin Shengun, though, I'll say this. He's been dominated in Summer League, but I'm not surprised because the Turkish League competition is better than what he's facing in the Summer League. And if I told you that, when we were talking about these foreign players, I told you 
These guys overseas are better than these college players. If you put Al Perrin with these guys in college, he's going to look like a man amongst boys. And he's been doing that against college stars. Mm. Like if he was facing a team from the Big East every other game with centers like, you know, an, a guy who doesn't get drafted, he's dominating. Al Shingun has a motor, and I know you saw that close to half-court three that he shot. His three-point sh- shooting is horrible. He, Don't even, he, there was, I know he made he that. He did not touch rim at all. It was a swish yeah, all day. I know day. he made that, but Al this three-point is bad. Al Shingun, oh, he's different. I think he's going to be a really good player. I want to see how his defense transitions to the NBA once he actually plays. But as an offensive player, I told you, his production will be no less than Nennis Cantor. You know, at worst, Alperen Shengun is going to be a 14-8 and eight guy. I think his ceiling is much higher. Though He was a top-10 pick for me. Not sure why he fell. And the second guy, Deuce McBride. Mm. I mean, the other day, yesterday, hitting like six threes. One of the main reasons why we won that game against the Lakers in the summer league, he's shown great flashes of elite defensive, elite defensive ability. He's a great floor spacer. He has a good mid-range pull-up. And now when the Knicks face Atlanta... And we need a guy to put on Trey Young. He's going to lock up Trey Young. And I believe that. Deuce McBride, look, they don't call him Deuce McBride for nothing. He's a, he's a lockdown guy. He's going to guard Trey and he's going to lock him up. So I think Deuce McBride, Al Prince, and Gunos are my two guys. Name one more. I have three. Well, my other you didn't one. didn't name nobody I named. So. My other one was Trey Murphy. Okay. I didn't get to watch his game yet. I, th- I think Trey Murphy, the, the floor spacer he is, he's going to fit right alongside Zion and Ingram. And when we were talking about the draft and the trade between Memphis and the Pelicans, I said this was great for them to move back to 17. Because at 17, Duarte, uh, Murphy, or Kispert will be there. Duarte, Kispert weren't there, but Murphy was there. And I think they were looking for an NBA-ready player, and Trey Murphy's that. 6-7, round 6-8, great shooter, great defensive player. He's a great fitness designer in Ingram. So my list is based off guys who I think game is still going to translate outside of summer league. I think they'll still be able to keep it. So uh, my first is James Bucknight. You know, I think uh, not even just the numbers, but his advancement and moves and the way he like the way he presents, like comes up and presents the game, how paced he is and how technical he is in his game. I think that was impressive to see watching him play. You just saw a bit of a pace and advancement in his game. Like he's been in this league for about four or five years. That was great for me. Uh, number two, Jonathan Kaminga. You know, I think we didn't expect him to be this. Uh, we we saw we knew the Uber athleticism, but what we saw in the G League is a guy who took a lot of jump shots. You know, he kind of just settled a lot. He's not settling in the summer league. He's taking guys to the basket. You know, his shot selection is still a little bit poor, but on the fast break, he's going. He's strong. He's physical, and he's showing the ability to finish in contact. So I think that was a great one. Yeah, I played Scotty. Yeah, he did. that was actually a really great game too. He he's been he's been definitely impressive. And Leangelo Ball, how could you not say him? Like, Come on, bro. I don't, like, I don't worry about him. Like Leangelo Ball, I think the the, the fact that you know Lavar said he was the best three point shooter in his family. That's clear as day. His jump shot is absolutely water. His his body is definitely NBA ready. I think he has an NBA body. His defense is there. He's a solid defender, but I think his three point shooting. Has, is going to keep him in the a, NBA. And that's a great addition for a Charlotte team, for a guy like LaMelo who loves to run, who's a great playmaker, who can find the guy in the corner. LaMelo Ball is going to, um, pardon me, LiAngelo Ball is going to be open to be able to hit that three-point shot. So that's three guys that's been impressed. I was going to say Sharif 
but he had a bad first game. But you saw that second game, so I, I'm not don't hate. That, you saw that second game, so I ain't gonna say that. too much. Game winner, you know he he showed out. Those are my three guys for sure. See, I only got two for me, Emmanuel quickly, and I picked my I picked my guys based off of like how they would fit with the mm-hmm. team once the te- once the season started. So looking at the Knicks, who were hoping to make another playoff. Oh, run. you're a Knicks fan too? No, I'm a Knicks oh. fan. But I should say Cam Thomas. Uh, he had a good game yesterday. He did. He did but I got to finish watching all the games. But, but yeah, Emmanuel quickly for me. Uh, dropped 30 in his uh, first game they played. The second game he dropped. Or in the most recent game he dropped 25. But I still think about like where he's going to fit on that Knicks team. You know, I when I first saw him play, I thought he'd be like, y'all, the point guard of the future for you guys. But now you guys got Kemba. You brought back D-Rose. Somebody called him Steph Curry. Once <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, too. He killed me with that, man. That's crazy. But um, now, now they got R.J. Barrett, too. Well, they've been at R.J. Barrett. But like, I don't know how he's going to fit behind our, uh, Barrett either. But I mean, he's, he's showing he deserves time on the court, which is important. So... That's huge. Obi Toppin, too. He's been going crazy. Uh, another guy has been Patrick Williams. And like I said, in a team right now that's like, you know, Chicago's making moves. Like, they don't want to be a you know, team that's out first round. They really want to go to Eastern Conference Finals. But uh, Patrick Williams, you know, making noise in the summer league, I think that's huge to show that he can come into next season and, like, truly make, like, a big step and help out everyone else that they just, you know, acquired. I think that's big, so. Those my two guys. James Bucknett had 23 today against the Spurs. Mm. Trey Jones had 34. LeAngelo Ball had eight. Mm. Two for six from three, three for nine from the field. I'm not sold on the ball, bros, outside of LaMelo. I'm not sold on Lonzo. I'm, I'm not sold, sold on, on LeAngelo. NBA players. LeAngelo is a borderline. I think he can get in. I don't know about that. I think he can get in. I will be honest, Listen, though. right now, just because his brother's on the team, he's going I did rebuild the, the Hornets on 2K, mm-hmm. and I do have all three of them on the same team. That's dope. I also traded for Onyeka. <laughs> so I have Onyeka, and I have the ball bros. You guys didn't mention these guys, so I'm going to mention it. Neither did you. Jalen Green. I mean, he was obvious. He, he's obvious for me that he was phenomenal. I mean, you said Kaminga. Like, Kaminga was a top seven pick. We didn't, but we didn't, I didn't think it was, the, it was the play style more than anything. I didn't think he'd be this I thought you'd mention him, too, but Jalen Johnson. I think Jalen Johnson over Sharif, 19 and 10. He's been oh, a highlight. Oh, I didn't mention Sharif. I just wanted you to mention and the fact that he's he, a game He's winner. been a highlight reel, the way he dunks on people. I mean, Jalen Johnson, to me, from an athletic and potential standpoint, was probably the best power forward in the class. But because the skill set is still questionable, you're not sure who he's going to be. Definitely going to be a tweener. Yeah, In the NBA, I'm not sure what he's going to do, you know, because I think through a long, gruesome season, that's where we get to see your true character. But we got to mention this guy. I mean, Jalen Suggs. Jalen Suggs has been exceptional. I mean, 24 points, nine rebounds, one block in his first game. There's too many guys to name. 41% from the field, 50% from three. Then this past game, his put-back dunk, his, the, way he's, his, the way he's so acrobatic around the rim finishing, he has a nice, sweet jump shot. He said, I'm a combo guard. I'm not a point guard, not a shooting guard. I can play both. He's shown it. And I think he might fit better as a two because he doesn't get much assists either. He, Yo, you know, he I, looks to score. I was looking at uh, RJ Hampton stand next to Wagner. He's probably like six seven. Yeah, RJ six seven. They got a lot of guards, man. And Jalen Suggs to me, man, I, I thought he was gonna be floor general Gonzaga Suggs, but what he's been showing in summer league shows me that 
Gonzaga might have been holding him back. Well, they had nine guys. Now, I agree with that, but Suggs, let's say he goes to Alabama or he goes to another program, he's dropping 20 and 27 7 a game, maybe like 23 a game. And he would have probably been a consensus top three pick. It would have been like the RJ draft with Zion and Ja. Those are the three guys. I think Suggs at five was a steal for Orlando. I mean, he's been show, like seriously showing out. He looks different. We'll see, man. I'm not sure about Toronto with the Scotty pick, man. I like Scotty. Good though. I like Scotty, but when we talked about him before the draft, we said what his weaknesses were, and it's exactly what it's what it's been so far in summer league. I'm, I saw him, but I think I saw him shoot a layup and it went over the basket. Yeah, but I think I mean over the backboard, Scotty. You know, like we said, Toronto's the team ready to win now. I think Scotty, that was going to be the you know best option. Well, He's, Suggs is ready to win now. We don't know that. He's performing. So how you know that with Scotty? Because I think his skill set is more NBA ready. How? Suggs can defend, too. Scotty defends way better than Suggs. But Suggs can score way better than him, too. Suggs doesn't need the ball in his hands. Scotty doesn't need the ball in his hands. Suggs doesn't necessarily need the ball. Come on, bro. He was scoring off the ball in Summer League. Uh, he was showing out. He was, he was getting the ball and getting in pick and roll situations and pull up jump shots. All I'm saying is that, you know, I think Toronto took Scotty not because. You said, wait a minute. Hold on. You said. Toronto made the right pick. This was Toronto's pick. No, you, I, yes, I was. Did. I was on a Kaminga wagon. I was on a Kaminga train. When we was on draft, we was on the draft live. You said this is a great pick for them. When yeah, they because Scottie. because I said Toronto's looking at it through this lens. They want a guy who has the most potential. Because so why do you think summer league would change that? I don't think it changes it, but I think it, it definitely makes them second guess it because uh, I think I think Suggs NBA ready just like Scotty. Scotty is a potential pick. Is a we're gonna hope he becomes a great offensive player one day, and it's a potential pick, and I, I'm fine with that pick because their defensive lineup with Scotty is gonna be crazy. I did think Kaminga had more potential though, and I would have picked Kaminga if they picked Kaminga. I'm I was fine with all three picks: Suggs, Scotty, Kaminga. I was fine with it, but I think each one of them brought something different. I think Suggs brought them a legitimate Lowry replacement. Scotty brought them. The defense versatility. Kaminga brought in the, the most potential. I would have went with Kaminga. And I, I, I said it before. I would have went with Kaminga. Now you're switching off to saying Suggs looks like the better pick because of two summer league games. I mean, right now, Suggs does look like the better player. He, he looks ridiculous. He looks like he he looked like the better player in college. I know. You're playing the college guy. I know. But I, like I said, that pick was always potential for me. We'll see in the season. Uh, like I said, I do I, like Suggs though. I'm like I said, I'm not mad at the pick. Yeah. I'm not. I don't want to. I'm. Not, I don't want to put too much stock into Slovenia because they're all. They're. All, this is really just an extension of college. Exactly. That's why I'm not too high on Sharif. It's a summer league. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, man. Uh, you know the thing about it is that Sharif, for me, man, I don't look. I hope he does well, but just pre-draft, seeing people have him as a top ten prospect in this draft. <laughs> And then seeing him go to 48 was the funniest thing that's ever happened. Because everybody on draft Twitter is, you know, showing Sharif highlights. Oh, man, this was a great pass. Look at this spin to a pass. And what they don't show is the tip passes where he gets his shit stuffed. They don't show none of those. But they all show, oh, look at this excellent playmaking ability by Sharif, his manipulation in the pick and roll. All I'm saying is that I like Sharif's game, but when people started to overrate him, it got me annoyed by that right? because I think Sharif is around like the middle of it. You know, I think he was like a 15 to 30 pick. I think 
they got to steal at 48. But I didn't think he was this top 10 prospect in the draft. It was kind of crazy to me. One of the top signings that happened, or one of the only signings that's happened this past, these past couple of days, was Dennis Schroeder signing with the Boston Celtics. Signed for the mid-level exception of $5 million. That's still some good money to me. Which, I mean, is an outcry from the 84 he was offered by, offered by the Lakers. I think when we talk about free agency losers, I don't think it was a team. I think it was a player, and I think it was Dennis Schroeder. I mean, he lost a lot of money. With that being said, all everybody is talking about is the money that he lost. Nobody is talking about how much better the Celtics got with his move. I think the Celtics got way better with this move. And I think I, I, I said this on my video that I made yesterday. Dennis Schroeder fumbled the bag, but he didn't mess up a better opportunity. The Celtics are a better opportunity than the Lakers because with LA, with the Lakers, you are always under this constant microscope to succeed. If you're LeBron James' teammate, you're always under this microscope to succeed. I told you Dennis Schroeder in the playoffs, he had an average series. His averages didn't drop off crazy. LeBron's averages dropped off across the board. We were here debating with Drew. Drew said it's because of his ankle. Dennis Schroeder came back from COVID. You don't give him that same excuse. I wish Drew was here today because I would have told him that too. <laughs> he didn't give him that excuse. He, did, he didn't say Schroeder had COVID. He said Schroeder's trash. When you're LeBron's teammate, if you win, you get no credit. If you lose, you get all the blame. And I don't think that's fair. Schroeder isn't the shot creator Kemba is. He's also not as ball dominant as Kemba is either, even though he does need the ball in his hands. They got a 10 times better defender in Dennis Schroeder. And I think now you can try to the lineup of Schroeder, Smart, Brown, Tatum, Horford. Oh, my God. Defensively, that's one of the most versatile lineups in the entire NBA. But I'm not even sure if he'll start. Because if I'm Boston, my biggest problem last year was bench scoring. They could start Pritchard. Pritchard can be a good 3 and D guard. Schroeder can close out the games. But you start Pritchard, and now you got a, a given 16 to 19 a game off a of shooter off the bench with Josh Richardson, which, with Ennis Cantor with Robert Williams, with Neesmith. And now your bench is really good, one of the top in the league. And I think that makes much more sense for them. But either way, I think this was an amazing signing for Boston. I'm 50-50 on it because it depends on where they want to put Schroeder. First of all, you have this misconception of you and these 3 and D point guards. It's killing me. It's, it's really killing me. The Boston Celtics had the same problems that the Los Angeles Clippers have been crying about. They don't have a point guard. So that Kawhi and PG can be put in their position to score. That's the same. They have this. They've been praising about the same problems that those guys have. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown need a point guard. Now, I'm 50-50 on it because if Schroeder is a backup point guard, I think this is an amazing signing because Schroeder, I think he thrives better as the sixth man, as the guy who doesn't, he just has to come in and go get a bucket. I think that's where he's played his basketball at. But if he's starting in the backcourt with Smart, you kind of get an erratic backcourt. You know, two guys who just play kind of erratic. You don't know what you expect. Smart especially, but defensively, I think that's a great, you know, closeout lineup, you know, because I think Schroeder guards the point guard spot really well. We know what Smart is. We know what Brown is. We know what Tatum is. And Al Horford, if he's still got anything left in the tank, he's still going to be a good defender at least. So, but I think, like I said, it really depends because 
you know, starting Pritchard. Pritchard's kind of small, but I think you can start him. You know, he's he's he he has a little bit of playmaking. He has heart. That too. He does have heart. Yeah, he does. He's gonna play D. No, he's definitely gonna play defense. It's, they they have so small guards, so it's it's tricky. But like I said, if Smarter's coming off the bench, I mean Schroeder's coming off the bench. This is a rental, and this is an amazing rental. He can definitely make some noise for them. I think Pritchard, it just gives him a better floor spacer if he starts because yeah. he shoots 40% from three. Shooter's like at 34 to 36%. If I'm a defender and I see Shooter wide open, I might just box out. I might just get ready to box out. If I see Pritchard, I'm putting a rocket in my ass and I'm going. I'm closing out. I'm getting my hand up on Pritchard because he's a deadly shooter. But shooter, I might not do that. I'll just box out. You couldn't just say, I'm going to just close out. You got to put a rocket in your ass. Like, hey, I'm speeding. <laughs> I'm speeding there. I'm trying to go. Yeah. My, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. My thing is like, what does it matter? Because the offense going to go through JT anyway. Right? So like, you want to talk about the like this gravity that Pritchard going to bring in. Like 99% of that gravity is going to JT. So I think there's no reason for me that Schroeder doesn't start. And, I mean, Jason Tatum, he gave us so many signs last season that, like, even though through bench, you know, woes, scoring woes, he was still able to lead his team, you know, to a solid seed with Jalen Brown out, too. So, I think it's solid. Um, I don't know about if it's a better fit than, you know, I don't know if this makes them much better. Because, like I said, we can talk about, like, Scoring numbers for everyone. But Let me ask you a question. How much of a drop-off is Schroeder to Kemba? I don't think it is. Yeah, yeah I was about to say. I don't think it is either. But What's like, the Celtics ceiling? Like, where do you think they could finish seeding-wise? Six to eight. Yeah. What? Maybe fifth. Wow. Fifth is a, fifth is a really extreme ceiling. Oh, my gosh. I think, Bucks, I think Bucks, Nets. Yeah, Nets, Miami, um, Philly, and Atlanta, I yeah, think, are all better. Atlanta is not better than Boston. I think they'll have a better regular season. They're not better than Boston. I am tired of this Boston slander. They had a better star they had a better power wins year. in the NBA. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are two of the top twenty-five players. Jason Tatum, he's creeping in that top ten. Jalen Brown could be top twenty if those guys are healthy all year long. There is no way they are any less than a six seed. They are. They can be the third seed in the East. You said. You said six, six eight. eight. Nah, there's no way they will be eight. No way. Their floor is six. No. Their floor is six. Boston with JT and JB healthy all year can be the third best team but in the you East. Gotta, you got to understand too. Look at their div, uh, division too, because they got to play Philly four times. They were four times. when before Jalen Brown went down, and they all three were Not playing. COVID. Before he, whatever happened, they were seventh at they were seventh at that moment, struggling to keep seven. The entire year they were impacted by COVID. Everybody was come on, bro. Not every team was. But I'm saying everybody had that opportunity to be impacted by COVID, bro. All I'm saying is that Jalen Brown didn't go down with COVID. He got hurt. No, no, no. I didn't say he got COVID. I said the Celtics were impacted by COVID all year. Al Horford, I think, is a good center still. When you get that bench throwing with Schroeder, I think that's a big upgrade. Josh Richardson, he didn't play well in Dallas, but we know he's a good player. And I think he'll be good for them off the bench. And his cancer solves their bench scoring as well, even though he's unplayable at certain times of the game. Boston, as long as JT and JB are healthy, they're, to me, the fourth or third best team in the Eastern Conference, especially with this with this addition of Dennis Schroeder. Atlanta's not better than Boston. They are not better than Boston. Why? Because the Celtics got Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. That's why. 
That's why they're not better than Atlanta Boston. Got Trey Young. Yeah, Trey Young's not better than Jason Tatum. But he's better than Jalen Brown. Mm, yeah, you're right. I'll yeah, give you that. He's better than Jalen Brown. So, but Jason Tatum, we're we're forgetting that Jason Tatum right now is so, emerging. So you're saying their ceiling is third. You said third yes, or fourth. It's so third. third. We are forgetting about Jason Tatum and how great he is. He's led Boston to two Eastern Conference Finals appearances at his young age. He's 23 right now, I believe. He's still getting better. Jason Tatum is a superstar in the making. He's gonna he's coming sooner sooner than later. And I think this year is a year where he's gonna take off and we're gonna be like, he's here. Jason Tatum is here. They definitely won't be a six seed in the East. I think they'll be third, especially with Dennis Schroeder with that bench scoring. JB taking that leap again. I think averaging twenty five last it's, year. It's you know it's they're it's, gonna be good. It's funny to me because you said they dealt with COVID and they dealt with a lot of injuries. Atlanta dealt with COVID and dealt with a lot of injuries. Still ended up fifth seed. Miami dealt with injuries. They dealt with a lot of. They still ended up higher than Boston. So it's like you saying all that. You know, even the Nets they had their fair share of injuries. Philly too. Still. Philly had a bunch of injuries. They still landed one Philly, and three. Philly wouldn't be when he was hurt. They were in a 500 team. But they still were at first. They did their damage. They, yeah, Atlanta. Because when Embiid was there, they were that great when he was there. But I'll say this. So I'm saying when all three of them, when Boston had their three, they weren't that great. When all three, they weren't I'll that say, great. I'll say this. I think Boston has been longing for a change of scenery. Those players. I think Brad Stevens moving into that executive role and mm. Ime Adoka coming in as coach, they needed a, a a breath of fresh air. And I think Adoka is that coach to do that. He's the player's coach. He's learned under some great head coaches, most notably Greg Popovich. I think he'll do great in Boston. I just believe that people right now are sleeping on superstar talent in the NBA. When we look at these teams, the reason why I'm so high on the Knicks is because we have a lot of depth. Boston doesn't have a lot of depth. If JB or JT goes down... That's they're That's gonna they they're be, gonna they they're gonna tumble. But when healthy, Boston is better than Miami. They are better than Atlanta. That's they tough. are right there with Philly. That's tough. They're you, you really better than Miami. Miami? Yeah. How? Yes. How? Yeah. Because Jason Tatum is the best player. He was the best. He was the teams. best player when Miami beat them. Jalen Brown is better than J- Jimmy Butler right now. What the no. what? No. So one series also, changed your so, mind. Also, when did you just start falling in love with Jalen Brown? I love Jalen Brown. You did not yeah, love Jalen Brown was, last he was year. Hating, yeah. I, w- I was never hating on Jalen Brown. I said, if you have the opportunity to get James Harden, you wait, ship wait. out Jalen Brown right so now. One series has turned you into saying Jalen Brown is better than Jimmy Butler. It had to be because you didn't say that uh, before I just, last year. I just believe, yeah, you're right. I, I just believe right now Jalen Brown is ready to take that to, to really solidify himself in this league. Interesting. And I think Jimmy's older. He's on his way out right now but in terms of outside that conversation where we rank those top echelon players in the NBA. He's still got a solid like two years of this. And even his, his game isn't predicated on Let's just go lineup for lineup. Dennis Schroeder versus Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry. You think it's a it's a big gap? It's it's not a big gap, but we know in, who's better. In terms of what's for the team, Kyle Lowry. We know who's better. Marcus Smart or Duncan Robinson? Probably Smart. Okay. Or Oladipo if he starts. I still think it's pretty even. Jalen Brown or Jimmy Butler? Jimmy Butler. You see. Jason Tatum or P.J. Tucker? Jason Tatum. And then Bam. Al, Al Horford and Bam. Bam. I do think Al Horford can do a good job on him, though. But it's but Bam is better. Yeah. Don't try to play it because Jimmy Butler can obviously do a good job on Brown. I think it's an evenly matched team, though. 
I don't okay, think Okay, it's it's fair to say but, but I just but say, I just think the star power Boston has puts them over cuz right. I I just think Tatum's the best player between but those two. You could have said that when they played in the bubble. That's they had this, this you could have said that star you, power. You, I picked Boston to win because of the star okay, power and they okay, lost. I, 7 games right or 6. I think it was 6. 6. six. You also Time and time again on this show, reiterated the fact that Kemba Walker didn't show up. But I also, and don't get me wrong, I've reiterated the fact that star power wins out, but I think we're forgetting that Kyle, Bam, and Jimmy are stars. That's three stars, whether they're low end or high end. Bam is, just like you say, Jason Tatum is emerging, Brown is on his way. Bam is also on his way. Butler's they're, they're here. They're stars, but Tatum is superstar. Tatum is a superstar, but I think Jimmy, Bam, and Kyle Lowry are all stars. Jimmy... Is probably if if people want to say Brown is better, okay, but they're right there. I think Jimmy's a little bit ahead of him, but they're right there, and Bam is right under them on his way, which is you can't say the same about anybody on Boston. And the same thing with Kyle Lowry. Nobody's even on Kyle Lowry's level. I think level. they're an evenly matched team. When we talk about Atlanta, I think Boston is better than Atlanta. That's a fair thing to say. I what think about their bench though. Atlanta's, Atlanta's deeper than Atlanta. Uh, Kevin Kevin Herter off the bench. Right? Atlanta's deeper than on Boston. But if Dennis Schroeder comes off the bench, whose bench is better, Atlanta or Boston? Still, I think I still because I think Atlanta outside of Schroeder, you still got Lou Will, you still got Onyeka, you still got um, you got Ennis Canner. Yeah, that's true. Got Josh Richardson. I'm not. We gotta I, wait I and see. Jo- we gotta wait and see. I that. agree, but Josh Richardson I think is just as good as a player as Kevin Herter. In the playoffs. Well, <laughs> well. Yeah, like that's what I said. That's a wait and see moment right there. But I think Atlanta's a little bit deeper than. Um, well, Kevin Herter had one playoff run, right? I mean, I, I think with the Atlanta Hawks right now, this is not me hating. This is wait I, and see. I know people think this is me hating. We saw the Atlanta Hawks have one playoff run. All of their young players played exceptional. Bogdanovich played bad. He didn't play too well as it progressed. But all of their young players played exceptional. Trey Young was historical. Kevin Herter was awesome. DeAndre Hunter, when he played, was good. John Collins was 14 and 10. Nothing to rave about. Everybody played well. We saw before with Miami in that bubble run, another young player played really well, Tyler Hero. And then in this playoffs, he didn't play well. We have to wait and see. One playoff run does not mean that in every single series you're going to play well because we know in the playoffs especially, things fluctuate. You can be bad and you can be good. It fluctuates. The same way how you said Tyler Hero did that, you could also say Boston, we didn't know they were going to play that well, and then they did it. Again, so this can happen with Atlanta. They can do this again the same way Boston did, or they can flop the way Miami did. It's, yes, it's gonna I'm go just going to, historically, let's look at this. Young teams that have made runs in the playoffs, the next year have dropped off. 2018 in Boston, they faced the Cavs. They lost in seven. Rookie Tatum led them to ECF. <laughs> Very next year, lost in the second round to the Bucks. Tatum didn't play well. Everybody dropped off. OKC with their big three when they made the finals and they lost to the Heat. Mm-hmm. Never made the finals again. Most of it was due to Harden getting traded, but they never made it again. They made the and WCF they, repeatedly. Though. Yeah, but they always injuries were nagging and they never made the finals again. Indiana with PG. They back he was back rising, rising superstar. Never got to quite that level again. All I'm saying is that when these young teams make a run, usually it's that one burst, that one shining moment. And then we don't hear about them. Here's the difference. Boston is still trying to reach that again. Here's the difference. When Boston made that run in 2018, their two best players didn't play. The two best players came back, and the cognuity was ruined. Atlanta, when they walked into the playoffs, those are their guys that they're going to walk in with these same year. Like you said, OKC, 
2013 or 2012, pardon me, went to the finals. Harden's gone. The same team isn't there. Indiana, back-to-back ECFs. Paul George never got back to that level, but also that team completely changed. I agree with you, Rip, but this is the thing. The East at that time did not get better the way that it got better this year. That's a fair point. Miami got better. The Knicks got better. Say what you want, but the Knicks got better. No, I think the Knicks got better. Boston with Schroeder and the additions of Josh Richardson and Canner. They got keep better. Trying to praise is Josh Richardson. No, because Josh Richardson is not a bad player. We'll see, they okay. got better. So, the Nets. Yeah, okay. They're extending KD, Harden, and Kyrie. They're going to be here for Ohio. Let's not forget that. Yeah. Milwaukee coming off a championship. Philly, depending on where Simmons goes. Atlanta beat Philly. You know, not worried about Philly. Nah, come on. They, they beat nah, Philly. You're worried about Philly. They're not, worried about, it. They're not worried about Philly. And then what other? Indiana getting healthy. They got better. They're, I mean, last year, everybody. Warren had Indiana a season better than Atlanta? No. <laughs> oh, yeah. Chicago, they got better. Yeah. But Indiana, the entire season, TJ Warren was out. That was the bubble star. He was a superstar <laughs> in the bubble. And that's it. Every, every, but almost every team in the East got better. Charlotte, they got better. I'm I just saying, like, Atlanta didn't make any moves this offseason for you to be like, okay, they got better. You can say that they have. They're going to have more continuity next season. But in terms of talent, they did not get better. I think they're, they're getting better is just growing their young players, growing with Boston. But you, you can, need stars to win. But with Boston, you can say they got better, but we don't know until – because these are, as of right now, damaged pieces that are coming from teams that didn't want them anymore. Dennis Schroeder was on the market and nobody wanted him. Josh Richardson didn't play, barely played in the playoffs. But I told you about Schroeder. In, in a regular season, he averaged 15, 4, and 6. No, I get it. But the his, playoffs, his, 14, his stock three. dropped because his of... stock did drop. So it's like these are damaged goods that are trying to be revived but back it, in Boston. Is it, is it that? Or because I think most of the times when these contract things happen, mm-hmm. we tend to blame the players all the time. Well, he was asking for too much money. No, yeah, I understand you. But could it be this? Could it be that some of these teams wanted Schroeder? A Washington wanted Schroeder, but they settled for Dinwiddie because Schroeder said, you know what? I kind of still want to bet on myself. And I think betting on myself is going to a team that can win and I can help win. I think he, the reason I think he chose Boston was because if we go on a run next year, I'm going to get paid. He's betting on himself again. It might flop again, but he's betting on himself. And I think it's going to sound crazy, but Dennis Schroeder, is motivated. He's determined. He sees the backlash on social media. He posted on his Instagram story that keep that same energy, people. He has a chip on his shoulder. And I think a motivated athlete, sometimes the best comes out. And that, the, the way Shooter has played throughout his, throughout his career, he's always played with that chip on his shoulder, with that assertiveness. And I think this is just going to help him even more. Mm. I mean, that's cute and all, but he's not. <laughs> Huh? Like that's cute, but they're not getting past like they're not. The I think the Nets are winning the championship when if they're healthy. Well, my thing is like you said. Oh, I want to help a team win. The <sighs> but Boston could definitely make an ECF run if everything plays. If if everything plays right, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we got to stop sleeping on Boston because I think Boston because they've had a down year. Everybody's kind of ruling was, them out. No, whoa, 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 whoa! I'm not saying you, oh, wow. but I'm saying the consensus is that. I mean, people have Chicago over Boston. Never did. I didn't do that. People are sleeping on what Boston's going to be. I think you know they're all coming back and Tatum all, after that gold medal tool. You know he had a good time in the Olympics. He was showing out. Everybody's coming back better, but social media is weird, man. Because I was looking at the Dennis Schroeder memes and I went on his Instagram account. He disabled his comments on his Instagram. 
I would have done the same thing as people, because people troll all the time. He posted an IG story with his brother in it, and he tagged his brother. People are commenting on his brother's Instagram about Shooter. <laughs> like people are people are are talking shit about Shooter <laughs> on, on his brother's, his brother's IG account because they can't him, yeah. because they can't do it on his IG account. People are weird, man. Internet is weird, bro. Um, I mean, I have Boston as a playoff lock. I mean, it's, me too. It's, it's going to be tough. It's because, like you said, the same thing how you said every team got better for Atlanta. That's the same thing for Boston. Every team did, in fact, get better in the East. So it's going to be a tough team. Like you said, with Boston, the only problem is one injury could put them down. If JB or JT go down, it, it could be wraps for them. They can fall deep in the standings. That's why I think they're too. They're going to be very JT JB reliant. They're going to rely on them heavily this year. They're going to need to. I think, and I think they can handle that. They can, but. You know, an injury, one injury can completely kill their season. That's why I think depth is very important. You, like, you've seen it with Atlanta. That depth was very important. You could just plug in other guys in and it'll be okay. You've seen it with the Clippers. Depth is important. So it's Boston getting Schroeder. Like I said, it, it can be a good thing or it can be a disaster. And they're still thinking about And Brad Stevens talked about he want to trade smart too. So we don't know what's going on with that. I think that would be a terrible idea. But they want to. Ex- they also offered them a contract extension. Yeah, so it's like it's it's a weird it's a weird thing in Boston. But I definitely still have them as a lock, no doubt. But fourth, third, I don't know about third. I'm telling you, man, I think Tatum's on the rise. I think real. Miami right now is it's better, not gap, but I think they're clearly think a they better more team. Depth. Yeah, I think they're, they're a clearly depth. better team right now. And I think you know with Miami, they beat you with their depth. They don't beat you. But also, Oladipo not being ready for the for the start that could hurt them too. You know, if they don't have that depth. Yeah, you know, Hero and Deadman off the bench just doesn't sound very inspiring. <laughs> doesn't sound very inspiring. Uh, yeah, I mean, they'll get in the playoffs. They'll figure that out. All the Depot will be back by the playoffs at least. So, news about the Dallas Mavericks came out with well, the Dallas Mavericks' new head coach Jason Kidd came out. There's this new book about Giannis, about his bi- um, it's a biography on him. And in this book, there are some alarming Jason Kidd stories in it. Somebody tweeted this, and these were the stories. This is quote for quote, by the way. The Bucks were struggling, dropping a game to Charlotte on December 23rd, right before Christmas. Players returned to the locker room, dejected, silent. Everyone was ready for the next two days off with their families. Zaza Kidd said, turning to Pachulia, but addressing the entire team. Uh, do you think it was a winnable game? Kid asked Zaza. Yes, it was a winnable game, Pachulia said. <laughs> and do you think we deserve the next two days off, which means Christmas, even Christmas? And Pachulia basically said, listen, we made plans with our families. You know, we kind of do one off. And Kid was like, all right, Dudley, what do you think? <laughs> and Dudley answered basically the same way. And Jason Kidd didn't care. He said, see you guys tomorrow at 9 a.m. on Christmas Eve. And all the players are like, whoa, whoa, what's happening? What do you mean? And kids like, we're going to have practice. And the players are like, but we booked flights to different states already. And kids said, I don't care. You guys get paid to do a job. So you're doing your job tomorrow. Things change. And the practice the very next morning, Christmas Eve, was terrible. He went to Larry Sanders and called him pathetic. He called them a terrible player. He called them a piece of shit. And... The team ran the entire practice like a college team. And Brandon Knight said, I haven't done that ever in my career. It was the first time with Jason Kidd. And he said it wasn't normal. And after this practice in the middle of it, 
Larry Sanders, after like three hours of practice, because that's how long it lasted, he kept picking on Larry Sanders. He called him pathetic. And Larry Sanders took his stuff and left the facility. And that was his last game with the Buck with the Bucks. And he, that was his last time showing up for anything they did. He basically retired after that incident with Jason Kidd. And he said physically he, he couldn't take it. Mentally, he couldn't take it. He does say he doesn't think Jason, Jason Kidd is a bad person. But mentally, he did mess up, mess him up. Because one day, Jason Kidd would be all coddly. And the next day, he would be this militant enforcer. And because of that, it didn't bode well for Larry Sanders. And then there was another incident about a film room with Giannis. They were playing Philly. Kid said, look, Giannis, you made a mistake. Giannis said, no, I didn't. Kid said, show me. Giannis proved him wrong on the film. And Jason Kidd still sat him in the entire second half of a game just to prove that he's boss. And some other uh, coaches have, some other players have described Kidd as a coaching style as psychological warfare. Sounds like it. And basically, you know, they don't have... Very nice things to say. And there was this other story about Don Maker and how this is quote for quote. Little things were made to be a big deal like two seasons later when Senator Thon Maker didn't have an iPhone, messing up the blue bubble iPhone group chat <laughs> and therefore once showed up late for practice because he had missed a text about a time change. Kid was upset about it and made the team run because Kid felt that Maker not getting an iPhone was an example of the team not being unified. <laughs> so he picked on Maker because of his phone. And I mean, you look at his track record as a coach. Didn't have much, much success in Milwaukee. Say what you want. You know, he's credited for developing Giannis, but this kind of discredits it because he messed up a lot of players too. Larry Sanders made him retire, basically. Thon Maker was a highly titled prospect. You saw how he treated him. He, he, he didn't develop him because he had a green bubble on his phone. Why did he still have a Galaxy? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> and then on Brooklyn, he got DUI charges on Brooklyn as a head coach, driving under the influence. And in 2001, he pled guilty to beating his wife, basically. I mean, this guy doesn't have a very great past. He's not going to talk to Luca like that. And now he's the head coach for the Mavericks. Oh, yeah. I worry about it because I think Kristaps Chris, Porzingis' personality isn't going to take yeah. this. Luca not hearing that either. All that hoopla. My thing is, what my, you know what my question is, honestly? What were the assistant coaches doing throughout this whole situation? Like, what was their vibe? But my thing, to go off of that, if he's not that scared to talk about the players, I don't think he gives, gives a fuck about what the assistant coaches got to say. Like, he hires the assistants too. That's it. So yeah. they're probably on the same type of training he is, or at least they just... Either that or they're scared to do something about it, because that man... And then, which goes to my point, why wasn't he fired earlier? What's He's like, Jason Kidd. Like, I guess his player, the name Jason Kidd as a player holds so much weight because it's like, and I'm sure Mark Cuban knew all about all this before. He should have. Yeah, or now at least now he knows, which is going to lead up to this season. Now, I don't think he's going to get fired, but this is definitely going to be something that Mark Cuban is going to definitely play close attention to. But yeah, I'm, you know, psychological warfare. I feel like that's something Greg Popovich does in a more nicer way, though. I, I think that's like a Greg Popovich thing, but clearly it's not what Jason Kidd... I think this is just bullying. You know, bullying players, you know, play, players with... I guess Larry Sanders has some type of depression, or he was just... You know, he was kind of a, had a sad day. Jason Kidd seems very bipolar to me. Talking about one day he's calling, then the next day he's mean, but I, I think, honestly, you got to look at the people around Jason Kidd. 
his coaches, his assistant coaches, his family, the GMs at the time? Like, what were you thinking? And I'm sure I, you can't tell me grown men haven't talked to the GMs about this one time through the whole process. I'm sure they have. I'm sure they spoke to the assistants about this, and nobody did. He coached for what, like three, four seasons? Three yeah. seasons, I believe. Yeah, so it's like you knew this was going on for a long time. Players spoke on about it, and you guys kind of let it happen. So I think this is kind of a testament to kind of like, you know, people take their job way too seriously. Regardless if you're getting paid millions or not, these are still people's feelings. These are still grown men who still, you know, you don't, you can't talk to people like that. In defense of Jason Kidd a bit, Jared Dudley came out recently and said that he laid the groundwork for the Bucks championship. I'm not surprised. Yeah. So Jared, Jared Dudley didn't bash him and say all this stuff, but I think it is alarming because they do that for Brandon Jennings too. He laid yeah, the groundwork. I, I don't think that the personalities on the Mavericks and specifically Luca and KP, they're going to take that. And I don't think they, they really should. It might be less of a problem in Dallas because the Bucks had young players that kid had to groom and develop, and he failed a lot at that. In Dallas, most of these players are established. You can't really tell them nothing. I mean, Bullock, Finney Smith, Brunson, but these are some dogs. Luka, yeah, Porzingis. You'll be able to talk to them any kind of way. Mo- Maxi Kleba. Most of their players are. They know what they are. They know their roles. They have found their footing in the NBA. It might affect Josh Green or Tyrell Terry. But even then, a situation where he like he was in the room with Giannis telling him he made a mistake, That's I don't think that's grooming a player. That's just you trying to show your assertiveness. He can do that to anybody. I feel like that's a Porzingis moment right there, like telling Porzingis, yo, you did something wrong, and then Porzingis like, what? No, I did it. And then that, that can end up like that. And, you know, that's just, ah, nah, I kid. Do you think Dallas is going to regret this hire? Nah, because you know what? Here's my thing with it. Now that this has been made, like, public – I feel like now he kind of understands, like, I right, I can't, like, let it slide. I'm not saying he's going to stop cold turkey. Like, he might let a few comments slip out. Mm-hmm. But, like, attacking one player over and over, I th- I feel like this story coming out is going to, you know, replay in his head. And it's going to, like, like he's going to be able to stop himself. That and they have Luka. So it, it, it definitely because, you know, in Milwaukee, when Larry Sanders retired and he left. He was really good, too. I mean, at the time when that happened, I was wondering – what was wrong with him? Like, what happened that made him do that? Years later, we finally find out the truth. Like, we finally know what happened. Whereas, if something goes on with in Dallas, I think we're going to find out right away. Yep. I don't think it's going to take years to find this out. I think right away we're going to find this out. Because that's the outlet already. And Dallas, exactly. is, Dallas is a bigger market than Milwaukee was at the time. You know, you know what else, too, is, you know... I think Dallas made a mistake, though, by not hiring Jamal Mosley. I think he was should have been their coach. Dallas vouched for him as well. But they're going from one extreme to the, to the other. Rick Carlisle, he left Dallas because Luka had total control. Mm. And it was whatever Luka wants, you get. Rick Carlisle kind of stopped coaching and said, look, just Luka. Luka everything. Where Jason Kidd is coming in and has that militant coaching style and is more of, I don't care about that. It's going to be what I want now. So they're going from one extreme, let Luka do whatever he wants, to another one. And now we're going to hold Luka in check. This could help Porzingis in a way. If Jason wants Porzingis to get the ball more, it could put Porzingis in a good light, help him get more touches and not be the spot-up shooter he was last year. That makes sense. 
That makes some sense. Okay. Or he could piss Porzingis off. 100%. <laughs> yeah, because Porzingis has a fragile personality, I, be, I think. so. I think New York did that to him. I think he did that to himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because when he left New York, he said, Knicks fans, you're gonna. the truth is going to come out sooner or later. He left, and we were better without you. Were you? Yes. We definitely were better without Porzingis. You guys have the same amount of playoff exits. Well, no, actually, you have same, you've both made the first round. They didn't make the playoffs with Porzingis. Oh, yeah. No, I'm saying, but he made it with Dallas twice. Well, you guys, the made Knicks it once. are better without Porzingis. With Porzingis, we weren't this good. Yes, that is. Fair. We didn't have one playoff season with Porzingis. What you got one now? Yeah, <laughs> with the Randall. I told you Randall was better than Porzingis, man. Porzingis got two of them things. But yeah, I think you know they might regret this hire. I think they probably are sooner yeah. rather than later. I mean, we'll see because you know it's gonna be in the, it's gonna be in the media sooner rather. It's gonna be in the media quick, fast. We're gonna know in a hurry. You know, the circulation have already been going on in that organization with Luca in the front office and guys getting fired, this, that, and the third. Donnie Nelson getting fired. That was Luca's guy. Luca wanted Mosley. He didn't get hired. Kid guy. So it's going to be a lot of, I think it's going to be a lot of turmoil for Dallas this year. Last episode, we talked about Ben Simmons and how he's not returning the 76ers' calls. And the 76ers, there was a report that came out about them that said, they are monitoring the Dame situation. They are waiting for him to request a trade, and they hope that he does request a trade as soon as he comes back. I think he's back by now. He hasn't done it Where was yet. He? Oh, he was in, in yeah. the Olympics. First question, do you think they have the assets to trade for Dame, and does he make them title contenders if they do, in fact, get Dame in town? Oh, I think they do have the assets. I think Ben Simmons is still an asset. I think it's one asset that... Looking at the teams, he already established he's not going to L.A. He put out a tweet saying, I'm willing to bet however much it was that he's not going to the Lakers. I don't think the Clippers have any assets. I don't think I think Miami's done. They don't have any assets. So I think the only teams are Golden State and uh, Philly. And I don't think Golden State, they've come out and said they're not, they're going to grow with these young guys. They're going to play. Steph Curry and Draymond have come out and said they like these young guys. So I don't think they're going to trade. So that leaves Philly. The last real spot, or Boston, but... Boston doesn't have better assets. I think Ben Simmons is the glaring aspect. You could throw in a Tyrese Maxey too. But I think depending on what they give up, which I'm assuming is probably Simmons, Maxey, and if they can keep Thibel, Springer. Yeah, or Springer, if they can throw those two guys and Ben Simmons, they keep Thibel, you bring in Dame. You got a line, lineup of Dame, Thibel, Tobias. No, Dame, Seth, Thibel. Green. Oh, oh my God, he came back, right? Dame Green. Ooh, Dame Green, Tobias, Tobias. Ah, Thibault, Tobias, Joel Embiid. I think that puts him right there. With, I think that puts him right next to Philly and right on the Brooklyn. I think Dame is just that dangerous. Milwaukee. Yo, I'm fucking up. Put them right next to Philly. I'm, oh, my God, did it again. Right next to Milwaukee <laughs> and right behind Brooklyn. I think Dame and Embiid, two MVP caliber players. Dame is a dangerous threat. I think having a big man like that and a co-talent he's never had like that would be incredible, and that would definitely put him square in a way at the top of the East, right there with Milwaukee. Nah, straight up. I really think. As if Philly wasn't already like a championship contender last season until Ben just fell off in the playoffs. Now you get Dame. <laughs> <laughs> you got lost of words. Nah, I'm I'm trying to see like where I'd put them. You yeah, put them over Milwaukee? I, I just might. I might just put them number two in the East. They're not being Brooklyn, obviously. But I don't say obvious. Well, not in, with Embiid. I don't know, bro. I'm keeping. I'm be. I'm be honest. With you. I'm not gonna. If 
they played. Obviously, I would put my money on Brooklyn, but I wouldn't be surprised because they have, you know, Embiid who's going to dominate Brooklyn down low. I think Dame and Kyrie, they're going to match each other. So it's just really, and they have the Tybo, they have a defender, Danny Green. You know, he's not a elite defender, but, you know, he's annoying. He's pesky, like you say. So pesky's annoying. So they have guys. So I think they would they would make that series a really, really competitive series. I don't think they beat him, though. I have Brooklyn. But I think they could beat Milwaukee, though. I think Philly probably would be the second best team in the Eastern Conference. I think I would put them above Milwaukee. I would love this for this trade to happen. Me too. Uh, for one, I think for Ben Simmons, you know, get him in a new scene. That would suck for in us. Portland. We would never see our teams win. <laughs> you know, get him in, in Portland. I think a new scenery would be good. And I've done a rebuild already with Ben Simmons in Portland. I won a championship with them as well. Simmons was averaging. But like, you had the number one pick? Nah, Simmons averaged like 24, 10, and Who's eight. his back mate? Who's his, uh, his mate? I had a CJ. Oh, you kept CJ? I traded for Miles Turner. So uh, I, I had like I just had a five out lineup. How'd you get Miles? I traded uh, Nurkic. And some picks? Yeah. I had a five out lineup and, you know, Simmons just went crazy with that. He's a, he's a 2K god. Yeah, he went crazy. He was at like 24, 10, and 10. He was going crazy. The reason why I like Dame in Philly is because in Portland, CJ McCollum, no disrespect, he's an amazing player. He just got named the NBA PA president. Shout out to him. But McCollum and Dame's game didn't mesh well. They had success, but it was, it's my turn, then it's your turn. If he's in Philly, Dame, for the first time in his career, has another elite player that complements his game, and he complements Joel Embiid's game. Off the pick and roll, pick and pop. That's a deadly combination. Dame has never had that. The closest thing to it was Nurkic. Aldridge. Aldridge for one year when Dame wasn't even who he was. The closest thing to that was Nurkic, and when Nurkic was healthy, when they first got him from Denver, he was averaging 16 and 10. Now imagine with an uh, Embiid who is an MVP caliber player, could have won the MVP if he stayed healthy last season. This would be an amazing, amazing team. They have the defenders in green and Thibault. Maybe Springer stays if he's not involved in that trade. You know, this is a deep team, man. Like I think the starting lineup, if I want to go all offense, I would say Dame, Curry, Green, Tobias, Embiid. And then off the though, after what you just seen in Portland, it depends. You know, because I think. I Curry think Seth brings that punch off the bench, though. That's true, but he's also one of their best players. Even you know, he, I think Tobias and him, especially in the playoffs, it wasn't far off. Then off the bench, Corkmas, Thibault, they got Drummond. You know, I know Drummond isn't this if crazy. He player. understands his role. He'll be fine. He'll definitely understand that he's behind Embiid. Yeah, Embiid will make him understand. <laughs> yeah, he better. And then they also signed George Niang, who's a good three point shooter. And they got you know Springer, Maxi, Milton. You depends depending on who goes. So, you I know, think, yeah, those two probably have to go. I think this is one of the most deepest teams in the NBA. And based off of Dame's track records in the playoffs, he might mask some of those Doc Rivers inefficiencies in the playoffs and lack of adjustments. Yeah, I think if CJ was more like, because Dame is very similar to Steph. So I think if CJ was more like Clay, they would be, you know, a better suited backcourt. You know, somebody, Steph masks Clay's, you know, creation and you know, his ability to, you know, create his own shot consistently. And Clay obviously masters Steph's defense. So it's like a, they complement themselves so well. I think if CJ was that, it would kind of work better in Portland. Like you said, it was always a your turn, my turn thing. Even with John Wall and Bradley Bill, you saw it was in the East. They played LeBron, but you saw a little bit of success because John Wall was a playmaker and Bill was kind of an on-ball, off-ball type of guard. 
So it's, you know, CJ wasn't that good player, though, but he just was never that. So I think, see, this is huge because Dame got like probably the most gravity on the three point line next to Steph and all of them. So that also opens it up for Joel Embiid down low. So, I mean, just looking at it broadly, that's also it. But in terms of Ben, like, I know all the memes can come out. We can say whatever we want about Ben Simmons. People forget that he's always top two, top three in assists every single year. So I feel like a trade to Golden State would be, like, the best option where you could just get him out to, you know, Clay Thompson standing in the corner, Steph Curry coming off a screen, you know, top of the key or whatever. Even maybe even Draymond can. Do we trust a Ben and Draymond lineup? The Warriors are on that right now. They're They're thinking about it. They're right now. That's what's conflicting. Is Between that. getting Simmons is that, look, we don't know how Draymond and Ben are going to work. That's why we're not sure if we want to get Two Ben. Two guys that won't shoot. Yeah, and Draymond has really fallen off in terms of just trying to score. And uh, that would mean Ben would play the five. I don't think you're going to bench. Well, Wiggins is probably gone anyways, but Ben would probably play the five. If I'm going to sit on fine with where I'm at. I, I agree. I think you, you you already have a Ben Simmons. Uh, let's be realistic, a better Ben Simmons at this point right now in Draymond Green. So why go get another one who's just going to clog up the paint, create no spacing? I don't think it makes sense. You already have your team. Toronto, there were rumors about them shopping Pascal Siakam. And some people thought that on draft night when they drafted Scotty Barnes, that was Siakam's replacement. I don't believe that because I think Scotty Barnes, they, they drafted him because they want him to be the point guard. That's why they drafted him. And I think he could fill that role somewhat. But the three teams that are rumored to be enamored with Pascal are the Sacramento Kings, the Golden State Warriors, and the L.A. Clippers. Out of these three teams, which team do you think is the most realistic? And which team do you think he would be would fit on the best? Well, if he goes to the Kings, he's done. Like His career is certified <laughs> over. I hope he doesn't go there. He's a good player. I think probably Golden State would probably offer him the best it, it, they probably have the best um, offers, and they probably offer him the best success, considering the fact that Kawhi is going to miss some time next year. So it's just going to kind of be the PG Siakam show, and I think they're going to lose a lot of their depth if they give it if they try to get Siakam. With Golden State, though, they still can keep their core and go out and get Siakam, and I think Siakam will kind of thrive off Steph and Clay. But I honestly think he should stay in Toronto. You know, I think that OG Scotty Siakam wing tandem is ridiculous defensively and offensively I think it can grow OG's still young Siakam is he's not old he's about 26 27 years old so he's nearing the start of his prime Scotty just got there I think this team has room to grow and I think Siakam has found a home in Toronto so I don't think I think honestly the best spot is Toronto because low-key main low maintenance you know fits more his style he doesn't have to go there and be the guy they have a bunch of guys that you know kind of shared offensive load and he doesn't have to go out there and be a star he has to have to be hammered with the spotlight because we've seen it Toronto he became the number one guy after Kawhi left and it kind of you know put him in a bad spot he, he I wouldn't say he had a bad year but he had some really bad moments especially in the fourth quarter I think right now in Toronto he doesn't have to be that he could just be this low maintenance all-star and continue to improve his game quietly yeah I like I I agree with Riv Sacramento should just be off the table. I don't even know why they're trying. You think so? <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm actually like 
I think they have a pretty good package. They probably do, but it's like for I'm Siakam th- though. Yeah, for, yeah. I'm thinking in terms of like Pascal, like for him. So definitely either Golden State or Clippers. I really don't know because I mean if Pascal wants to take a well, I I don't even know because if if they bring Pascal over and then like you can wait it out for the playoffs, just secure a spot in the playoffs, have Kawhi come back. I feel like that makes. I don't even know. If See, I can PG and Kawhi sounds like a championship. That's what I'm saying. They sound better than the Lakers. Yeah. <laughs> oh. They do. They sound better than Golden State, too. Yeah. It yeah. sounds better. Uh, uh, okay, okay. So what, what would sound better? Steph, Clay, Pascal, or Kawhi, PG, Pascal? Don't ever forget Draymond. And, and Draymond. Warriors. But I'm saying, like, strictly... Warriors don't get Pascal, Steph Clay, Dre versus PG, Kawhi, Pascal. I think they win that matchup, the Clippers. Hmm. Uh, These are the trades I, I have. I think it'd be fun. Mm-hmm. So I have, I have this take, right? I, I believe that if the Raptors are not in that playoff picture by mid-year, they're going to shop Siakam. I think they're going to go into a full rebuild, and they're going to, you know, build with Scotty and Gary and all their young players. Which is why I think the Kings have the best offer because the Kings can say, look, you know, we can give you Buddy Heald. I don't think that would make much sense because he is similar to Gary Trent. But they could say, all right, you guys need need a center. You can take Marvin Bagley, who wasn't very successful with us but can have success with you. Very highly touted prospect. Maybe you want a point guard. Maybe you want to move off of Fred, too. We give you Halle Burden. And now the Kings can have, you know, Hill, De'Aaron Fox, Pascal. Pascal is now that secondary score on Sacramento. You know, the Kings have some guys, right? You know, Hill, Bagley, Holmes, Why not keep Halle, Halle Burden. give him Mitchell? I don't think Mitchell, he's 23. I think that's where they kind of go off from yeah. that. But also, like, Harrison Barnes is making money. So Harrison Barnes could be that trade chip that makes the trade all work. Here's a trade that actually works for the Clippers, actually. Marcus Morris and Luke Kennard. Mm. Those contracts work. If you're work. just giving up that, oh, yeah. Those contracts work for Siakam. Is that too low? Absolutely. Right now, what do the, the Raptors lack? They lack a center. This trade, I think, makes the most sense. Keon Johnson getting a young player back. Marcus Morris. That would hurt my heart. Zubats and... Daniel Lutero. You get a center in Zubats, who's mm-hmm. a good defender. You get Marcus Morris, who's a scorer. And then you get Keon Johnson, a young player who is ascending. And maybe a pick. And I think that probably could do it for Siakam. And then you roll out a lineup of, what, Reggie? You know, have you have, yeah, Reggie, PG. Paul George, Kawhi, Siakam, Ibaka still. That's very good. And Toronto would have Fred, Gary... OG, Scotty now is at the four. Zubac at the five, then off the bench. Malachi, Marcus Morris, Keon Johnson, Boucher. Was it, and, you know, Precious. It's not too bad. And if they get a lot of picks off that, that's, that can also be Well, the Clippers, I don't, even, I don't even think they got any picks. They got a bunch of second rounders. I don't think you can trade first round picks in back to back years. But, so, but they can't last trade year those. they didn't trade a first round pick, did they? But I think they traded all them for uh, whatever they traded for Paul George. So I yeah, think that's true. That's going to haunt them. But I think Clippers make the most sense in terms of a trade. 
Mm. And I think that's a really good team. That is. They also have Pat Bev off the bench. Then you can, you know, stay afloat until Kawhi comes back. Wow. Clippers sound more and more intriguing for me now that you brought up that trade. Because they do have a lot of big contracts. Marcus Morris, Luke Kennard, Pat Bev, obviously. Zubak has, I think, about 8, 10 mil. Yeah. Good job. I mean, that second trade does work. I checked it. Good job. In the trade machine. Good job. Wait, four players? Four players for one checks in? Yeah. Cap space-wise, it fits. Oh. Yeah. When they need to like sign players to get the roster back up, maybe unless they have two way players and they just bring them up. Mm. That makes sense. That makes sense. But the Clippers with Reggie, Kawhi, PG, Siakam, Ibaka, off the bench. Wait, okay. So where do you have the you Clippers? You have Terrence Mann. Maybe Terrence Mann could be a trade chip. Oh, then where do you have the Clippers right now? Healthy? No, like Kawhi's out right now. Where do you have them? Honestly, they're they could be a playing team. Playing team. The so, West is that tough. So they if they get Siakam. Where does it put put them? Fifth seed. And then Kawhi. It make it jumps them up all the way to like two one. Yeah, I'm putting them that team fully healthy with Pascal is like two or one. Makes sense. Okay. That's a great team. There was a video that went viral about Isaiah Thomas because he dropped eighty one in the pro M game and he got emotional after it and started crying and said that, you know, teams gave up on me, the NBA gave up on me. And do you think he deserves another shot at the NBA? What is your opinion on this? No. What? You don't think so? No, for what? <laughs> You're crazy. He's man. a 5'9 guard that can't play defense. Not because he... No, it's probably because he can't because his size enables him to. That he constantly needs the ball in his hands to be effective at any part of the game. I'm sorry. He's just... There's just no need. Especially when the game is gearing towards big guards. There's really not a necessary need. There's guys like Lou Will are starting to fade away. And he's a small guard. So it's like... There's really not a need, not to say Isaiah Thomas isn't a good player. I think he probably still is a good player, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't see, like, especially, is he even fully healthy? I know the hip injury put him in a bad Well, well for one, guys like Lou Will are fading away. He's 34 years old and still contributing to a playoff team. He is not fading away. He's still doing what he does. That's for one. I'll say this. Isaiah Thomas definitely deserves a shot at the NBA again. He went on all the smoke podcasts and said his hip his hip injury is fine. Obviously, it's fine. In, in, his, in the Drew League, his debut, 37 points. In the AEBL, 65 points a record. And in Jamal Crawford's crossover league, he's still killing 81 them. points record. So he's been balling. Now I think he's fully healthy now. There is no way that Isaiah Thomas shouldn't be on an NBA roster. What roster? Well, Chicago, he's better than Caruso. He's not better than Kobe White. He's no, better he's than not Caru- better than Caruso. He's better than... What? Yeah. You don't think Isaiah Thomas is better than Alex Caruso? No. What? Uh, no. For a fit? Why? We want You want to plug out a backcourt of <laughs> Isaiah Thomas and Kobe White and say, go play ball? Stop, bro. You're not making sense. Fit-wise, it makes sense-wise when you speak. Alex Caruso is trash. Bro. Not on defense, though. On defense, he's he's Okay. Alex Caruso was never ever the caliber of player Isaiah Thomas was. Yeah, but think, Isaiah Thomas oh. in Washington injured was giving oh you twelve God. and four. Like I said, think fit wise and make sense wise. It wouldn't I just make care sense. About my better player, man. Who's a better player? No, it's not always about a better. Who's player. Who's a better player? It's not always about a player, better player though. I think Isaiah Thomas definitely deserves a shot in the NBA. He could go to LA. He could drive there. They would have well, got him well, with the Lakers. They're thinking about it right now. Well, he's got to go to a team where, and he's also got to learn that. 
he's going to be coming off the bench. And the sole purpose of him coming off the bench is for like short scoring, like stints. Like maybe he could do that. I mean, because he's doing it against some people in a summer league, bro. That like, he's an NBA player. Any NBA player is going to do exactly. that. Exactly. These are records, bro. Had, nobody's done it, obviously. These are records. I mean, that's true. These are records. Nobody's. I mean, done I wonder it. why he's not in the league. Well, because of his hip injury, Boston did him dirty. Boston didn't tell. We're not, I, we're not about to go back to three. No, four Boston. Years ago. Boston didn't tell Isaiah Thomas the severity of that hip injury. Because of that, Isaiah Thomas played. Isaiah Thomas gave his heart and soul to the city of Boston, and they screwed him over. That's exactly why Anthony Davis's pop said, "I don't want my son going to Boston. Look how they treat their players." You know, Isaiah Thomas gave his heart and soul to that city. 29 points per game. That same 5'9 guy you're talking about scored 29 points per game and was in the MVP conversation all year. But he was also... Uh, how He's 32 right now. That happened... Probably he's like 27, 28. Exactly. That's that was, a prime, bro. That happened when he was like 29. I said 28. No well, it's oh. prime is like thir- 28 to 32. Yeah, when you're athletic or when you have actual skill or when you're well, not 5'9". Wait, wait, he's hold on. Isaiah right Thomas now. doesn't have actual skill. No, he has somewhat of a skill, but he's no, five no, no. freaking nine. Bro. It's not he has somewhat of a skill. For him to make the NBA at five nine and to score twenty nine points per game in the NBA, not, he has a right he now. has amazing skill. We're talking about right now. Skill skill wise, he has amazing skill. Okay, but we're talking about right now. Why is he but not you, in the NBA? But right you now? say because of the hip injury, it, it derailed his career a lot. Okay, but he's healthy now. And he's admitted he's healthy. He's healthy. He, All the smoke and, has a lot of fans. And he, and he needs a they, shot. He's gonna get his he's shot. He's not gonna get his and shot. And he's gonna he's gonna show out. What no. team do you think would be the perfect fit? Other no team the needs him. Uh, let me go through some teams right now, man. Because honestly, there's no team that's like in a position to win now that will need him. There's no team. At least team is set. The they're playoffs. not. They're not thinking about it. We Who's can your backup point guard? Oh, none in Monk. Okay. Yeah. I think the Bucks. You know, he's better than George Hill. Is he? Yes, he is better than is George Hill. Yes, he is better than But it matters. Is he? Like, yeah, he's better know, than George Hill. George Hill is like one of the best three-point shooters in the league. Too. I think Miami, yo, they they could get some scoring off the bench. Their bench is not very inspiring right now. Oladipo is going to be out. You think IT is going to inspire that? Yes, IT can get 15 for the bench. He doesn't even fit the Miami culture. Uh, he, he can't could, play he could do defense. It. He could do it, no doubt about it. The Indiana Pacers, I think that they could go there Aaron too. Aaron Holiday's better than him. Aaron Holiday's in Washington. Oh, okay. I had to make sure. <laughs> I had to make sure. And he's not better than IT. Aaron Holiday's not better than IT. What is this disrespect? We have not seen IT play you, NBA basketball in First so of all, long, you man. said IT's not skillful. That's the dumbest thing you ever said on that this was podcast. Part of me. I should have never said that. That was part and of me. Isaiah was, Thomas, for, I mean, say what you want about his 29 point per, point per game season, Don't his, his usage. We're talking about I, right I can't. Now. I have to bring it up because that's who he was as a player. Yeah, now who he is now. I'll say, this is what I got to say. Look, Isaiah Thomas. Say what you want about his season and his usage. 99% of players in the NBA can't average 29. It was a phenomenal season. Let alone at five. I think he's the only player in history to average that. No, Tiny Archibald did that. Tiny Archibald, okay. Yeah, I think. Yeah. I mean, Isaiah Thomas was a different breed. People are forgetting how great he did this that for guy one was. Season. And he had seasons in Sacramento where he, averaged, he was averaging 20. And they sucked. And then in Phoenix, he averaged 16. They weren't good. They missed the playoffs by one game. Don't say they weren't good. That wasn't good. him. That wasn't him. That was Drogic no, it, and Bledsoe. It was that year, too. That wasn't him. Yes, it was. Go look it up. Because now you chat. That was not him. All right. That was 2016, 2017. That's about to be at the end of this season. Okay, you're right. I know. He got yeah. traded. <laughs> he got traded to Boston. And then, bro, Boston made an ECF with Isaiah Thomas. 
And they won the game. One them, game he didn't play in. Bro, he, <laughs> Isaiah Thomas was so good that they literally had to move away from a rebuild because he was leading them to victory. So let me ask you a question. He was supposed player. to be the best Wait, player. So is he that same player? He can be that same player. No, Twenty-eight points bro. per game score. No, no. he's not. He's gonna. So be, then stop bringing look, it up. He's what can get, he be right now? He can be. He can be a sixteen point per game score off the bench. Off the bench. He can be a six man of the year. Oh. Yes. Where? Well, I mean, I, look, Denver Washington? needs some help. Denver. Denver. Denver you know, but Monte Morris already there. I think Isaiah Thomas is better, but you know, look, I, you know, also I think Dallas. Dallas, they can use another playmaker to make some plays. I think wonder, Brunson, bro. Like, let's see, let's see how Isaiah long, Thomas. You know, let's see how long he's gonna him. not make the league and then complain that he they're black. But no, you just they don't. Nobody needs you. I think the Pelicans. Yo, maybe they could need him. They're or, not gonna make the playoffs. But again, that's like a nobody team. Like the Pelicans or the Timberwolves. They need a backup point guard. Rubio's the backup. He's in Cleveland. Oh damn! You gotta keep up. Yeah. Wait. <laughs> you gotta keep up. The yeah, T-Wolves with, with D'Lo, Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns. I hope they don't start him. Malik Beasley, Isaiah Thomas off the bench. He could be a six-man of the year. Well, Isaiah Thomas is going to get his opportunity. I want you to keep that same energy. Keep that, do keep that same energy. What did he do in, uh, in Washington? He averaged four. He averaged, uh, I got the numbers right here. He averaged 12 and four. When, when last time was that? It was actually like last season, I believe. He was off the bench? Not last season, but like the year before. The, the year before, he's on the bench. He started some games. What happened? He forty one percent. He still hurt. Forty one percent from the field and forty percent from three. Was he still hurt at that time? He what? He on all the smoke podcasts. He said he was still hurt then. So he was just playing. But he it. finally got it. He has a newly new hip. He has a metal hip now, so they replaced his hip. So he was playing through his hip the whole. He was playing through that injury because he time. never got surgery on it. But he finally replaced his hip, and now he's good to go. I'm not worried. You should be. He's going to prove you wrong, man. Isaiah Thomas deserves a shot at the NBA. I think he deserves it. He had one of the most spectacular seasons that I've ever, I've ever seen in my life. Like, bro, you see what you're doing to this, man? You keep bringing up, like, the past. He averaged 29 points once. He finished fourth in season. MVP points. It great was season. a great season. Is it, Was this 10 years ago? It was a fluke. Was this? It's not a fluke. It was oh, a fluke. He would never. Fluke. He was. He would never he be would, able to do it. It's again. not a fluke. It was a fluke. It's not. A he fluke. wouldn't have did it again. It's not a fluke. It was a fluke. He it's was twenty-seven at the time. How old is he now? Told, Thirty-two. Did I not say he was twenty-seven? You talk about he was twenty-nine at the end of the season. Probably was twenty-eight. His birthday. Right, I said twenty-seven. He's going to be thirty-three. <laughs> Look, I think thirty-two years old. He can still give you something. Nah, dude. Yes. Listen, Chris I, Paul's playing at thirty-six. It's Chris Paul averaging no twenty points a game. God. I told you that Chris. I told you that Isaiah Thomas. He's not twenty nine points per game, but he's sixteen a game off the bench still. No, that's ridiculous. He could do what Jordan Clarkson does. No, he can't. Yes, Jordan Clarkson's a flamethrower. Yeah. So is Isaiah Thomas. Have you seen him play? Obviously, no, I'm not watching had, him had, play. In a, he had fifty three <laughs> in the playoff game. I'm not watching him game. play in the gym with randoms. Isaiah Thomas had fifty three in the when playoff game. That's a lie. Bro. You you told me through group chat. Yo, did you see that Isaiah Thomas game? I asked you. Because you saw it. No, I asked you, did you see? Because they said he had 81. I asked you a question. No, you it. asked me because you saw it yourself. No, I didn't see it. You I saw just the highlights. Asked, no, I didn't you see saw the, the highlights. highlights. I just said, yo, did you see Isaiah's 81-point game? Isaiah Thomas, he had 53 in the playoff game. Oh this guy is next level good. When last time he had 30? I'll check that right now. Because you know you you thought Kemba Walker didn't have thirty this this thirty okay, number. I just asked the question. Okay, I'll check. We'll Kemba was a starter though. It was in the league still. Yeah, Kemba. It ain't start a game, and I don't even know how long. He started in Washington. 
Oh, he averaged 13 points. It's cute. Now, he had some games where he did start. <laughs> it's interesting. How far are you scrolling? Yeah, he's scrolling he for had, a minute. He had 23. I, that's not what I actually Against 30. Detroit, they won that game plus 13. He and was really Detroit, good. Uh-huh. What year was that? 2019-2020. Okay. So it keep just go- happened. Yeah, keep going. I'm going to find the 30. I mean, Isaiah Thomas was still producing. Find the 30. You keep, you keep scrolling. I see you scrolling. No, because I'm going on a different page. That's why. Okay, not here either. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's been a minute. You might have to go back to Boston, bro. Honestly. You should have gave me 20 because he had 20. <laughs> yeah, I know he's had 20, but it's been a minute since he had 30. 20 ain't much, though. He had 29. Does that count as 30? Nope. No. It's not 30. Nah, that's, okay. But you were the same one that said that KD had 50 when he, he never had 50. What are you talking in about? In the playoffs. You said KD dropped 50 versus the Bucks, but right, he had 49. So what was it, 29? He was 29. It was uh, March 1st, 2018. <laughs> he was that was three years bro. ago. Yeah. But Isaiah Thomas just had 81. Oh, my God. Forget, forget about 30. He just had 81. In a gym full of randoms. Man, look, they, they, could, they could ball. That's Not true. every NBA player could drop 81 in that. Some haven't. He yeah. has a record. He owes the record. So, obviously, a lot of players That's haven't done point. it. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. Isaiah Thomas deserves another shot, no doubt about it. I'm surprised you said he doesn't. You shouldn't be surprised. I am surprised. I mean, actually, no. I'm not surprised because you've always been an Isaiah Thomas hater. <laughs> The year where he dropped 29, you hated on him. You've always hated on Isaiah Thomas. So I'm not surprised. You're hitting on him now. You hated on him then. It's cool. <laughs> Yo, look. The marathon continues. LeBron hashtagged him. He's supporting. He's the GOAT. LeBron He's should supporting. get him on his team. Yo, they're thinking about it. Reports came out. They're thinking about it right now. It'd be such a point guard heavy team, though. They need scoring. For sure. And IT's the answer. He should be. Boy, he is a cone. Oh, man. Nah, if he locks in. Locks in what? There's only so much locking in he can do. If Muggsy Bogues was a good defender at 5'3", guys, it's how he can do his that's thing. a different league. A different league that's more physical, in your opinion. That's just Muggsy Bogues can actually push you around. And Isaiah Thomas can't? No, he can't. It's a foul every time. Well, new rules in the NBA this season. Yeah, that's what. That's on the shooting, though. Yeah. <laughs> Isaiah Tom, I'm telling you, Isaiah Thomas motivated. Oh. I'm telling you, he, he's been grinding. He's coming back. So you're going to tell see. me in Washington he wasn't motivated. In L.A. he wasn't he motivated. He played good in Washington, though. I know, but like. Yeah, good enough to never get a contract. He was still hurt. Mm. He still played good. <laughs> I mean, it was just it was unfortunate, but he's ready to he's ready to do his thing Cause this he, year. Listen, we'll I, see. You're overblowing 81 points against a gym full of guys who either never made the league or. Are like two years in the league and then never. Bunch of overseas back. players. That nice. too. Those are their players. Those players are still good. Yeah, but we eighty one is eighty one. NBA players, we know they know what to do when they get over there. They Especially on. like I'm not gonna say like you don't forget how to drop like twenty nine points a game. You feel me? Like he still got the bag. So when you gotta do it against like a bunch of randoms, that's a light work. But you gotta bring that back to the league. That's you don't think you can average sword. sixteen a game in the league? No. You don't think so? <laughs> I would, a stretch, like a golden point for him would be 10 points max off the bat. What? Oh, wow. He was scoring 12 in 12, Washington. Struggling. Now he wasn't struggling. 12. Well, it also depends on this. I like, all right, I'm Who was in Washington at that time? John Wallen? No, nah, he was hurt that year. Bradley it was Beal, Beal, right? So Beal. And, uh, Boy, he was averaging 12 in Washington. How can he ever say when he's healthy now? He's even more healthy now. He's older now. By a year. That was like 2019. 2019-2020 season. Well, he'll be 33 at the end of the year. Well, it's just 2021. I'm saying he's one and a half years, two years. He's not that much older. Y'all acting like he's 40. 
If he was 40, I would agree. Monte Ellis trying to get back he, in the league. He still got two. I think Isaiah Thomas still got two, three more years left to, you know, play at a good level. Oh, at a good level. I, say I, I never <laughs> said he, he I don't, I never, he's not a 29 per game scorer anymore, but he could definitely give you 16 a game, no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Off the bench being a flamethrower like a Jordan Clarkson. Help comparing could, him to him. He could definitely do that. Isaiah Thomas has, has had a better career than Clarkson. Yeah, but don't compare yeah, him don't right tell, now. Don't tell me not to compare him. comparing them. him right now. Isaiah Thomas can do what Clarkson does. Clarkson's in the league. He's not. Don't compare them. Yeah, Thomas should be in the league. Clarkson's the sixth man of the year this year. He's nothing. Yeah. He's, a, he's, a, he's a baller for a league. He should have been co-sixth man of the year. Aww. It wasn't, IT wasn't a co. So it don't matter. IT wasn't a co. Wasn't a co what? Uh, it was an all-star. Wait, was Clarkson ever an all-star? Carson's still in the league. Isaiah Thomas is an all star. That's good. Where he at right now? He's dropping eighty one. Where he's dropping eighty one. Georgia Clarkson in, in was just a cro- in the crossover league. Exactly. Against play against in the league that Jamal Crawford made. And Jamal Clarkson, Crawford's better than Clarkson too. Yeah, but Clarkson's in a league that matters. That matters. He was just in the playoffs. That matters. He's on the number one. Well. He's on the number one seeded West team. And he didn't play too well. I know. It ain't play at all. <laughs> I mean, keep keep hanging on Isaiah Thomas. He's, he's gonna do his thing, and it's gonna do it for the at this episode of the Pick a Top Podcast, episode one hundred and four. If you listen this far, you might as well drop us a review and rate our podcast on Apple Podcasts. And shout out to the Bahamas once again. You can subscribe to our Patreon, and you can get access to our Discord chat and link, and talk to Riv, Drew, and I, and we'll debate you guys if you really want that to happen. So thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next time.